And finally, Paris Hilton's getting married. She said yes when her boyfriend of two years, Chris Zilka, dropped on one knee. The model and actor presented uh, Paris with a huge, and I mean huge, 20-carat pear-shaped diamond during a skiing trip in Aspen. That's practical. It pretty much, I don't even know how you wear something like that out in public. She shouldn't. It covered her whole first knuckle. I have a knuckle joke and I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs) Biting my tongue, sitting on my hands, doing all that. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I was so close, but no. New Year, New Year. New Year, yeah. I don't need to make. uh, No more knuckle jokes. No more knuckle jokes. (laughs) Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Are we sure when that guy took a knee, he wasn't just finally succumbing to syphilis? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody checked. No, someone should have. Well, he figured after she's been getting down on two knees for so long, (laughs) maybe I should get down on one. Compromise. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It is brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Bitter cold air pouring back into the area. A couple mm-hmm. snow showers today. Temperatures in the lower teens. Then tonight, bitter cold down to one. Scattered flurries with that wind chill to minus 18. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. It's 15 degrees now at DVE. I'm a Val Porter. Blizzard warnings are in effect through tonight for Suffolk County, New York, and Monmouth and Ocean Counties in New Jersey. Those areas ex- are expected to bear the brunt of the first 2018 snowstorm with up to a foot of snow predicted. Wimps. Uh, plus <laughs> whiteout conditions. Winds are expected to top 45 miles per hour with a pen- potential to take down power lines. What are they calling it? Bombogenesis or something like that? Bombs cyclone or something, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. It's some weird name I've never heard before. Extra utility crews are already on standby on Long Island and the Jersey Shore, and the airlines are canceling flights because of the storm. Over 3,400 flights have been canceled nationwide. The major New York airports are seeing over 1,600 cancellations, including at Newark, LaGuardia, and JFK. So you may want to check your your plans if you have a, a flight headed there. All schools in New York City are closed today as well. I don't know if this will make you feel any better about a potential nuclear attack threat from North Korea. There are reports that a missile North Korea test launch last spring crashed right into a city near the capital of Pyongyang. According to the Japanese news site The Diplomat, an intermediate-range ballistic missile crashed into the city of Tokchun about a minute after launch. The missile exploded and did cause what U.S. sources call considerable damage to a complex of industrial and agricultural buildings. The report says there were casualties. The launch in late April was the third in a series of failed launches that month. The isolated communist nation did successfully launch its first flight test of an intercontinental ballistic missile about two weeks later. It doesn't make me feel any better because they're going to get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're working it out. Yeah, they're workshopping their missile game. Mayor Bill Peduto is outlining his second term in office and beyond. During his inauguration speech yesterday, Peduto proposed a $1.5 billion 12-year spending plan. He proposed building the fund by partnering with nonprofits, foundations, and corporations. The mayor said he hopes to have pre-K for all kids in the city by 2030 and promised to have safe drinking water by 2030. Which seems a long ways away yeah. for just wait safe twelve years. Water. <laughs> You'll be fine drinking this arsenic for another 
12 years. Although, uh, honestly, one of the trends in Silicon Valley right now is drinking unfiltered water. That is to say, untreated water. That is to say, poo water. Yeah, dirty water. Dirty water. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're trying to attract a lot of tech jobs here. So that could be a selling point. <laughs> Think of how much money you'll save on buying unfiltered <laughs> raw water, as it's called. We got that coming right out of the taps <laughs> in the ninth <laughs> ward. Oh, man. Tobacco giant Philip Morris International says it wants to give up cigarettes. The company took out full-page ads in British newspapers this week, saying it is moving to eventually stop selling smokes. A manifesto on the Philip Morris website says the company is aiming to help people quit smoking traditional cigarettes. The goal is to one day replace all its traditional products with smoke-free alternatives, including e-cigs and heated tobacco products. Philip Morris says the alternatives are less harmful. If you enjoy drinking India Pale Ales, you might want to enjoy them in moderation because the hops that give the beer its unique taste have chemicals that lead to man boobs. Uh, yeah, kind of comastia. Brewers of IPA who, because of their job, have to taste the beer quite often know this and have a special name for the condition. They call it Brewer's Droop. <laughs> oh man that sounds like a romantic place to take a little drive <laughs> the chemicals also unfortunately hurt the performance of men in the bedroom yeah so in moderation yeah as with everything it probably uh screws with him psychologically when he's thinking about his boobs jiggling <laughs> i'm surprised those like ipas you know they all have like crazy names that there aren't like any coming out reflecting their newfound sort of estrogen push you know <laughs> oh cop b got matt lauer's job but not Hipster his cleave yeah <laughs> She didn't get his salary. The 53-year-old has officially replaced Lauer as the host of the Today Show after she was fired for sexual misconduct in the workplace. Talking to People magazine, she says she and co-anchor Savannah Guthrie will not make Matt's reported $20 million a year even combined. She says, no, that's not happening for either of us. The women are reportedly each making just $7 million a year, which... Is some pretty nice scratch, but for Hoda, it's not about the money. She says, I really have done jobs I liked for the job because I never wanted to be happy every other Friday on payday. Like, I didn't want to be that to be the happy day. I wanted to feel good throughout. Well, a couple things. Number one, she's not making minimum wage. She's it, no. she's getting paid uh, okay. But um, he was be, also there 20 years. Right. There's that, too. So what she needs to do going forward is you get an agent that parlays the fact that her ratings will equal whatever he was getting. They're higher already. I know. But you have to sustain that in television. It can't just be a splash. Sure, but... So he does that. Her agent has a real argument as to why she should be getting paid that. Um <clears throat> The two Matt, of them aren't making combined what he made. I'm not defend. It's it's stupid. They oh, maybe they overpaid him. I don't know. I don't know how much money the Today yeah, Show brought in. Probably. But that guy's like, you know, Matt Lauer. Before everybody found out what a monster he, he was, was, the king of yeah. He it was a brand, you know, well, and they were paying for that. And she's going to build that brand. I'm not saying that it is not an egregious disparity. According to Business Insider, Megan Kelly makes $18 million a year, Kelly Ripa $22 million, and Good Morning America co-hosts Robin Roberts and George Stephan Stephanopoulos take in $15 and $18 million respectively. Daytime TV's best paid hosts are both women, Judge Judy. And Ellen. $47 million and Ellen $50 million. 
Forecast today, colder with snow, high in the teens today, tonight near zero with wind chills of 18 below overnight tonight. So bundle up, stay inside, get the animals inside. It's 15 now at DVE. Speaking of the animals, we talked with Mark Madden yesterday late in the show. It's the DVE morning show and Mark Madden uh, from 105.9 X is joining us. Happy New Year, Mark. Happy New Year to all. Yeah, you're brought to us by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Happy New Year to them. Happy uh, Matt Mertz New Year to you. Uh, All right, so so much to talk about. It was uh, a pretty eventful holiday. It really was. It was tough for us to be off. Again, it seems like anytime we're off the air, a bunch of stuff happens. But uh, the James Harrison thing has been front of uh, mind for us because we've only had these two days to talk yeah, about I'm, it because I'm, I'm just pr- about tired of it, but it's not going away anytime soon. It's no, and and I'm weary of uh, the audience. Are you know I'm worried that they're a little you know oversaturated with the talk, but I still am coming to terms with what happened there. I know you're no fan of James Harrison, but to me, I think that this might be uh, a move that the Steelers are going to regret. I don't I, I think they see. Already do because I don't of see all the noise. Yeah. Well, I don't see how you do anything to make your enemy stronger. Well, I'm not sure how much he's going to help them, especially by the time it rolls around to presumably Patriots against the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. The guy's 39. He got the two Rudy sacks against the Jets at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, but but, that but why been... gamble on that when there was no need no, no, no. to? That's the point I'm coming to. Here's what I'd have done. Once he started creating commotion, because he wasn't getting what he was promised, like... Like, like it's Little League, and he was guaranteed three innings, which is just so childlike on his part. It's pathetic. But but once he started causing trouble, like falling asleep during meetings and leaving the stadium once he was uh, inactive, they should have said, James, technically you're still on the roster. You're still on the payroll. You're barred from the facility. Go home. That's what they should have done. They should have got him off the team but not let him go to New England, and that would have been the way to do that. Then, uh, of course, at that point, they would have been – you know, really flayed by the by the public by yeah, internation for being that. disrespectful. But uh, respect's a two way street, and Harrison has defecated all over the logo that gave him a chance where nobody else would. Now, Eric Fisher cannot block James Harrison. Can Alejandro Villanueva? Probably not. Do you think that that was the main motivation for the Patriots to pick up James Harrison because they knew that they, they were going to have to face? I, I think Belichick City again? did it to create noise here in Pittsburgh. I think the idea of Harrison Worked. playing Fisher and you know potentially Villanueva. I mean, I don't know how much Harrison can play. How many snaps at age thirty nine? I just don't. He he was great in a scrub situation against a scrub quarterback against a scrub team in a meaningless game at Rudy time. I'm not sure that proves anything whatsoever. We 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 always got to remember. He played 30 snaps, though, right? Good for him. We always got to remember, the Steelers saw him practice every day and didn't think he was good enough. Yeah, actually, they didn't. What do you mean? He, he didn't practice. Practicing. Well, then they knew they were so positive he wasn't good enough, they said, hey, don't worry about practice. We know you stink. He was pretty good in Kansas City in October. Yeah, that again, that's taking a microcosm and blowing it way up, Triv. Way up. I'm just saying, he was pretty good in October. Now it's he, January. He was pretty good back when he ran the ball back 100 yards, too, so... I don't know why they took the chance. I just don't no, understand. No, no, I, I, I would not have let him go. Don't I would have, I would have just said, you're done, go home, blah, blah, blah. Nice knowing you, and not let him go to New England. Does this have the effect of galvanizing the locker room for the Steelers or sowing another seed of doubt? Uh, I think it galvanized the locker room, certainly. 
you know, like I was talking about this with, with Triv over a couple Coors Lights after the Robert Morris hockey game a couple nights back. And the Steeler locker room didn't care until he went to New England. Once he went to New England, it, it became traitorous because they're I, – I don't want to say – Mike, you know better than me. Is it fair to say they're obsessed with New England? Oh, yeah. Okay, well then, this might have increased that obsession. Whether it affects the outcome of the game, when they play, if they play, I don't know. Should Todd Haley not drink at downtown bars where Steelers fans are congregating? Or is he allowed to have a life and go wherever the hell he wants? He's allowed to have a life and go wherever the hell he wants. Now he has a broken hip. Is it a broken hip? Where's the best place to go drink with a broken hip? (laughs) Well, if you're in Vegas, you want to gamble. They have those like low tables. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I said it though, just because I'm fat. The rascal scooters pull right up to them. No, no question. Yeah, those are good ones. But a broken uh, hip. Wow, that's, I, that's I feel, a big deal. I, I, I feel bad for Haley, but not too bad because his wife's a human hand grenade. That's been proven time and again. Uh, what do you mean by human hand grenade? Well, it, you know, when somebody criticizes her husband in the stand, she goes ballistic. That's been oh, is documented. That true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's documented? Uh, she's tried to get a few guys' tickets pulled. Where does that So she goes documented? ballistic every week, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's right. If she could get all those tickets pulled, the stadium would be empty. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but, but I, I think it's fair to say that going to a bar by Heinz Field after a game on New Year's Eve was ill-advised for Todd Haley and his wife. I think anybody would dispute that by saying, oh, he can go anywhere he wants. Yeah, he can. And then commotion might follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what happened when you consider where he was and, you know, what was going on, what, you know, time of night, New Year's Eve, what happened was hardly surprising. Uh, he broke his hip. How the hell did he break his hip? He, apparently, the story I get is he got tackled by a cop when they were trying to, like, you know, intervene. They were, they were, they were, they had a problem with his wife. He intervened, and he got taken to the pavement and broke his hip. Oh, That's what I'm told. Man. Did the ball cross the plane? He did not survive the catch. He Did he survive? <laughs> or the ground. Yeah, right. Better, Val. Did not survive His the hip must have been in bad shape. Well, you know, there's a theory. You know, Either he hit the ground really hard or his hip was ready to go. Well, Ben, I've always been told Ben would rather have him in the press box yeah. than on the sideline. Mike, is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, maybe it was Ben. Yeah, it so might have been. So you think Ben, <laughs> somebody Tanya Harding him. Yes, Ben. Right, Ben, Tanya Harding them. Has anybody seen Galula or what's that guy's Jeff name? Jeff Galuli. <laughs> Jeff Galuli. Yeah, so, uh, no, it, it's just, you know, if he was going to be on the North Shore after a game on New Year's Eve, he should have been in Hyde Park. You know, going to Tequila Cowboys, just, just a bad decision. How old is he? What's he doing at Tequila Cowboys anyway? I don't know, but that's... I don't think you're going to get a sponsorship there anytime soon. Well, guess. Yeah, I guess he likes tequila. No, no, Tequila Cowboys for the young set? Terrific. Great. Why do you... Are they interested in... Yeah. <laughs> I'll see. So let me ask it's you... It's a great place. All right. Of all the dramas this year, uh, and the Ryan Chazier injury excluded, because, you know, that that's sort of... That, there have been so count. many dramas serious. I've forgotten how We ran through them this morning. So Ju- did we. Uh, There's double yeah. digits. A- Le'Veon Bell's holdout and then crappy first game and whether or not. Do you remember that? 32. Small potatoes, forgotten. Uh, Villanueva and the plan uh, uh, being butchered for the national Significant anthem. Significant because um, it, it, it probably took their focus away from that Chicago game and cost them home field. A.B. throwing the water cooler in Ravens game. <laughs> in, in retrospect, insignificant. Ben, maybe I don't have it after Jacksonville. I I. I 
that was such a almost literal eye roll when he said that. I I never took that seriously. Martavis going on Instagram and uh, bashing Juju and then uh, asking for a trade after the Bengals game any, and then any, missing a Monday morning meeting and being benched for the Detroit game. Anytime you you bash a teammate that significant, that was uh, that that might have been forgotten, but it still uh, meant something. Juju's bike, <laughs> funny. Todd uh, didn't yell at Ben on the sidelines. He was yelling at Danny. Uh, Danny Smith. Smith. Whatever. Uh, Juju, impressed. the the Bengals game. I mean, the, like like I said, the Shazier hit or injury nonwithstanding. Right. Juju suspension. Uh, the Iloka hit on AB. Um, Juju suspension was. I mean, th- that was a big deal because of who he hit. Right. You know, and and it, it was like. It was like one situation where Steeler Nation stood as one and said, he got a game for that. Okay, maybe that was kind of worth it. Karma. The karma comments from AB that he uh, caught flack for. Yeah, I'm not sure AB's too concerned by that. Mike Mitchell's locker room rant after all of that. That was great. Yeah, that was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then he got, you know, he's been burned like toast ever since. But Then James Harrison. Uh, you know everything we've been. Talking I think about the whole Harrison and- situation, from beginning to end, when you hear the whole story, like the, you know, falling asleep in the Barca lounger. You know, part of the problem with with that whole thing is, uh, Triv, correct me if I'm wrong here. Is Joey Porter a coach or a mascot? He's a coach. Really? Yeah. Seems like he comes off like like a cartoon character to me. Oh, you know, you're and, getting Terry Bradshawish there. And, and I wonder if uh, if Harrison took him seriously, and if that somehow. Didn't play into this. In no, the fraction. reason he was snoring in a Barca lounger during meetings and stuff is because he was being petulant. He was saying, well, you're not going to play me. I'm not going to prepare. Should have been kicked out of the meeting. Should have been sent home right then and there. Well, I think Yeah, he, I'm not sure why he wasn't disciplined, or maybe he was, and we just didn't well, know Well, you know what? It. Part of the problem with the whole Harrison situation is Tomlin's always been his buddy. And then when it came time to be his coach and not play him, Harrison said, what's going on, buddy? What about what you promised? And then the Todd Haley incident. I mean, I think the one that's going to have the most impact is going to be James Harrison. I mean, it, it can't not by virtue of the timing of it. Yeah, but but don't you think some people think it's inevitable that the Steelers will play the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, even more so now because of Harrison? But maybe somebody will upset somebody now. Wouldn't it be great? Don't, don't forget paper, rock, scissors. Paper, rock, scissors. New England always beats Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh always beats Kansas City. Kansas City always beats New England. Uh, uh, Kansas City's won four straight. They've gotten it together. If, if they get past their wild card game, I'm not saying they'll beat New England. I bet it's a game. I mean, they beat them handily to open the season, but that seems like it's last a million year. years ago. Yeah, double M. Hope you had a good. Uh, Haley could walk them. Did you have a good holiday? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just was. I, I pretty much. Uh, you just worked right through sick? it. I was in. I, I well, when I was in Vegas, I was sick almost the whole trip out there. Then I came home and went into seclusion in the West Wing. You, I, you I, were sick out in Vegas? Yeah, a lot of time, yeah. What what happened when you got uh, the flu? The chest cold. Ah, it's the worst. Did you do your show from Vegas? I did a few, yeah. I yeah. did a few. Uh, See any good shows? I saw three Vegas Golden Knights games. What a story they are. That That is mind-boggling that they're an expansion team. And they're awesome? Where they're I, Right. Well... Yeah, but, I like the, you know, and I know why Shinsky has said this, but it's a it's a popular theory, and it makes sense. The teams are going out there and getting loaded, well, playing deep, hurt. Deep analysis by him. I I I know you hate him. I don't even think yeah, about yeah, him. They're pretty good on the road too. They're just pretty good, you know. But here's the weird part about it: 
I, I've seen some people say by way of revisionist history, well, you look at their roster, you should have known they'd be pretty good. Right. I should have known that William Carlson, who was on the Columbus fourth line, would lead their team in goals right now. I should have known that. Well, if you were good at your job, you would. Who said I was good at my job? <laughs> Barstool Sports. They that said you're great. That story is so unbelievable, I'm still not believing it. I, I know. Like, I'm waiting for them to lose 12 in a row. I, 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 right. I pick up the paper every day, and I see they win, and I go, Shouldn't they have lost like eight straight by now? Yeah. If and, and they may yet. If the Penguins, you know, I know last night was encouraging. If they continue to falter and uh, you know either don't make the playoffs or get knocked out early, the fan base will go so hard rooting for the Knights. Oh, here you mean? Yeah. Oh my God. Because of Mark. It will be the. It will be huge in this town. Yeah. That'd be. I mean. I still think the Penguins will probably... That would actually be the best scenario. Do you think he's been their most valuable player and the, and the, the main been, reason for their success? Not, yeah, he's already played. He's, he's been, been injured he's been a lot. too much to say that. He's done well lately, though. Um, who their MVP is? I don't know. I How mean, about the uh, fourth liner from Columbus that's their leading scorer? <laughs> you know, probably James Neal, honestly. Because he's second in goals. I think he's first in points, and he's a constant threat. Are they actually getting effective play out of To other Ron? people's wives. What? They're getting uh <laughs> they're getting uh better than they thought, I'm sure. <laughs> better than I thought. I mean like I look at a guy like Derek England, who was like such a jabron here, yeah. and he's playing for them and he's a legitimate top four defenseman <laughs> matching up against Sid and doing good. It's like I was talking to Flurry after the game out there and I go, Hey, how about Engo? And Flurry's eyes like goes, How about Engo? He goes, Remember him in Pittsburgh? He goes, he, he was okay then. He goes, He's unbelievable now. And maybe that's what it took. Maybe he's a microcosm of why they're doing so well. Yeah. Uh, Double M, Mark Madden. Check him out uh, each afternoon on 105.9 The X. Always right. casting live from Tequila Cowboy. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Broken hip. I could oh. fall in the exact same spot. This. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's a chalk outline down there. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminds You know what the whole thing I bet was a lot like? Remember in Godfather 2, I think it was, where Fredo's wife makes a scene and they have to drag her yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I bet mean, it was a lot like that. DVE Sports. Mike Pesuda with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Steelers put the shoulder pads on for practice yesterday. And Todd Haley was there to coordinate the offense. Haley walking around the building. Wearing his traditional shorts in freezing temperatures. A cowboy hat. Yeah. Didn't see Cowboy hat. <laughs> but, uh, you know, may, maybe a slight limp if you looked real close, but uh, he looked like he always does. Yeah. Back in the saddle again. And he was, you know, I think he, I think he was making a point of being visible walking around, walking through the locker yeah. room, walking around the hallways. So I'm fine. <laughs> Let me bend down and get that. <laughs> Today's coordinator Thursday. He's got a broken hip. He's really hiding it well. It, it it can't be a broken hip. Madden has to be completely misinformed on that one. You're not walking well, around. The, the reports coming out were pretty confusing. Admittedly. Yeah. Good news is he looks like he's ready to coach. Well, okay, well then we need Whatever him to. Got a, couple, got a couple big games. We need him to win three more, Mike. And uh, the offense figures to be a big part of whatever the Steelers get done in the postseason. Le'Veon Bell. Talking about that and a myriad of subjects yesterday. I think he talked for about half an hour. Just uh, felt like talking. And uh, one of the things he talked about was uh, how it's time for the Steelers to roll into a postseason 
with an offense that's firing on all cylinders, with an offense that is healthy. That hasn't been the case in recent seasons, but uh, Bell's looking forward to a different postseason this postseason. You know, we want to feel like we want to go in full power, full strength for the playoffs. And if we lose, then we'll be like, okay, well, we lost that full strength. You know, no, there's nothing we can say about it. You know, but there's no more excuses now. You know, we got to get back there, get there, um, you know, and win games. And if guys beat us the way we are, you know, then so be it. But I just don't feel that's, that's the case. It'd be nice to see what they could do if they're not handing the ball to Fitz Tucson or throwing it to Kobe Hamilton, would it not? Oh, yeah. Oh, it'd be beautiful. I mean, injuries are part of the game, and you got to work around that stuff, but sometimes you don't have to. And when you don't have to, you have a better chance to win. The Steelers' offense just got better and better all season long. Uh, 25.38 points per game was the season average, but over the last seven games, 31.29. That there ma- it is. That magic 30-point number that they've been talking about for years. Over the last seven games, they surpassed it. Uh, here's Le'Veon Bell on why that happened. Um, I just think we got better. You know, our, our, our chemistry got a little better. Timing, um, players kind of developed their roles and understand, you know, what role they play in the offense and things like that. And I think, you know, once you get that, you know, I think the offense is, you know, you can skyrocket, you know, and, and, and we're only continually getting better. You know what I mean? Um, it, it was kind of a, you know, a little bittersweet, you know, that A.B. kind of went down because um, other guys got opportunities and they – you know, went out there and, and able to play, you know, so signs where, you know, maybe Ben is going to be throwing it to A.B., he's throwing it to another guy, you know, and um, once A.B. get back, you know, it's just going to amplify our offense even more, you know, and I think the, the this offense, you know, um, is, is the best offense in the league, and I don't think um, teams can stop us. We don't even stop ourselves. Best in the league, he says. Might be right. Might have to be, given the uh, limitations on defense without Ryan Shazier, but uh, – you heard Le'Veon Bell there talk about when Antonio Brown comes back again. Mike Tomlin said uh, this week that had there been a game scheduled, Brown would have been listed as questionable. The expectation is Brown will be back for the postseason. Bell said in Houston on Christmas Day he was 100% certain Brown would be back for the postseason, and Bell said yesterday he still feels that way. Yes, I do. Um, you know, I know how, how hard he works, and I know all the work and the, the time and, and hard work he's been putting in, and um, I'm confident that he's going to come back. Nice. Yeah, I mean, A.B.'s probably been sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber. Be nice not to hand the ball to Fitz Tucson or Ben Tate. Or try to throw it at Ben Tate and have it bounce off his head and get <laughs> intercepted by the Ravens. Something like that. Steelers uh, weekend off, and then uh, we'll see what we see starting next week as they get ready to host a divisional round game on January the 14th at Hines Field. The Penguins back on the ice tonight. They host the Carolina Hurricanes, 7 o'clock at the PPG Paints Arena, and on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 DX. This will be an interesting game to see if the Penguins have, in fact, uh, shifted a gear mentally and uh, perhaps turned a corner performance-wise. Very encouraging 5-1 win in Philadelphia on Tuesday night. Now the Penguins get Carolina, which is currently in possession of the second wild card in the Eastern Conference. Pens at 20, 18, and 3, 43 points. Carolina 18, 13, and 8, 44 points. If the Penguins can win tonight, they uh, jump over Carolina. Maybe everybody could uh, exhale a lot more easily if they're in that uh, playoff picture instead of on the outside looking in. Even I don't think people are worried yet. Yeah. Shouldn't be yet. Yeah. But 
be an interesting time for the Penguins to make a move um, just to establish that they still have such a move in them, which right. I think they do, but you're going to have to make it sooner or later, and the sooner you make it, the less desperate you have to become as opposed to waiting until March. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, 70s night tonight if you're going to the game. Uh, well, that's, there you go. Fans are encouraged to come dressed in their best attire from the 70s. There are going it's to- Pittsburgh. That won't be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be disco balls hanging down uh, from the rafters. Uh, Dancing Queen will be performing. Wow. Pittsburgh's hottest 70s disco, funk, and dance band. I think it's really an interesting choice to honor the 70s, a decade in which the Penguins blew a three games to none lead against the New York Islanders in 1975. And lost the decade in which they went bankrupt multiple times. Wasn't a real good decade, the seventies, in Penguins history. Not for the yeah, not for the Penguins. Maybe the Pirates can pick up on this and uh, celebrate Great Depression decade. <laughs> really, the seventies? They weren't good. Yeah, well, you know, for some people they were. I don't want to celebrate that. That Islanders series was the worst sports moment. Of my young life, you always say up. that, yeah. That I, I'm still not over that. I'll never be over that. Over Macho Grande, you know. I Second don't. Second is the uh, Bob Moose wild pitch against the Reds in '72 when they, when they lost that playoff series. Dave Justy blew the save in the deciding game against the Reds in the uh, National League Championship Series, and then they lost that next innings on a Bob Moose wild pitch. Mm-hmm. Wasn't around for that one either. The Islanders series sucked. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. I feel good to reach back and remember being a fan, Mike. Yeah. That's, B- before, well, it keeps me yeah. kind of engaged, I think. Yeah, I think so. But that because the Penguins, when they started, were a joke and nobody really cared. And then they were they were flirting with being legitimate. And they get a 3 nothing lead on the Islanders. All I got to do is win one more game. They're going to the NHL's Final Four. Oh, my God, anything can happen. Mm. They're, they're announcing their presence with authority. They're finally arriving as a franchise and then that. And or? Then that. <laughs> one nothing Game 7. Are you effing kidding me? It that, only added to the beginning lore of picking Lemieux. Yeah, that's right. Then I had to go to junior high uh, the next day and my uh, English teacher, who was a Flyers season ticket holder, had choke written across the entirety of the blackboard. Are you serious? Yeah. That's probably the first time I ever got trolled. Yeah. Before I even knew it was happening. We used to argue all the time about Flyers fans and stuff. He was actually a pretty good guy. He'd give me and my dad tickets when the fans were in town. And choke. You know, choke. The, it's hilarious. The, those, you know those old school blackboards that went all the way across the front of the room? Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, the letters were huge. He, he must have spent a half an hour doing it. <laughs> Only in Philadelphia. And he never said anything. He just started. He came in. He looked at me. And he opened your books. Let's go over English class. Oh. Like, you mother. <laughs> That's awesome. I just sit there and take it. Such is life. And then Eric Vale ended up being Rookie of the Year instead of Pierre LaRouche, which was a crime. So it's 70s night tonight, and you got a little 70s review this morning here on TV. <laughs> told you, I'm still not over No, I know. You I'm... should just go angry. Go how yeah, you were, were in the 70s. <laughs> go tonight and heckle all the players from the 70s. <laughs> Boo! Hit somebody, you suck! Yeah. <laughs> well, I do that now. Right. Fowl's got news top of the hour. What do you got? 
Um, you know those um, like stress balls that you squeeze? Oh, yeah. If you use one to assault someone, you probably maybe need... You're using it wrong. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about that coming up. Colder with snow today, high only in the teens. Wind chills of 18 below overnight tonight. We're at 15 at DV. We're going to talk to Rick Goose Goslin, uh, who is basically the most uh, respected Hall of Fame sports writer. The Hall of Fameiest. He's the Hall of Fameiest. Yeah, he's the guy. He, he's your go-to guy when it's NFL Hall of Fame talk. And Alan Fanica on the verge of being inducted. We'll talk with him. Goose coming up 8.15. Also, the Tomlin translator from his press conference this past week, what he really meant by the words he said. And uh, how to talk to your kids about James Harrison becoming a New England <laughs> Patriot. That's coming up here on the DV. It's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter. Briefly mentioned this at the top of the hour. The new trend, Silicon Valley, the raw water movement, San Francisco. This is uh, taking off as well. According to the New York hmm. Times, the raw water movement is taking a hold out there. People are trying to, quote, get off the water grid. So what does that mean? They're just going out and taking water out of streams? Jesse Ventura style. They're off the grid. Bottled puddled water, rain collected in a mason jar. According to a company called Live Water or Live Water, I'm not sure, they sell 2.5-gallon jugs of water for $37. Raw water is unfiltered, <laughs> unsterilized, and untreated spring water. Why not just cut out the middleman and get a rain barrel? Yeah. It has probiotic properties and beneficial materials that normal water doesn't have. $37 for a jug of water. <laughs> what? I mean, that's just... People that's, are lemmings. It sounds made up. It's so dumb. Now, um... This guy says, the, the guy who founded, let's call it Live Water, or Live Water. <laughs> Tap water? You're drinking toilet water with birth control drugs in them. Mm. Chloramine? And on top, they're putting in fluoride. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but it's a mind-controlling drug that has no benefit to our dental health. Okay, you're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, what are you guys doing? By filtering water, this guy says, you're going to get 99% of the bad stuff out, but now you have dead water, so it is live water. Real water should expire after a few months, he said. It stays most fresh within one lunar cycle of delivery. Okay. If it sits around one too long, it'll turn green. People don't even realize that because all their water's dead, so they never see it turn green. How high is this guy? Maybe you don't want those living things in your body. Um, this magical, quote, probiotic water, what does it taste like? It has a vaguely mild sweetness, a nice smooth mouth feel. Ugh. Nothing that overwhelms the flavor profile. These people have if more ever, money than brains. If I ever talk like that, punch me right in the <laughs> face. Like a bunch of times. We won't need to. If you start drinking raw water, you're going to die of dysentery. It's full. Raw water is full of 
harmful bacteria. Yeah. What are these people doing? Parasites. A- That's a Monsters Inside Me episode brewing right there. You aren't good. You know where all those mosquitoes are gathering and that still water over there? Let's yeah. pull up a couple straws. <laughs> you know how your water's moving? <laughs> you may not want to drink that. That toilet water over there that you're drinking. This is filtered. Terrible. Awful. Come on over here. Drink next to these three stray Labradors with me.
Yeah. Three doors down. The inaugural ball band. Oh, that's right. Remember? Yeah. I wonder who will play the next one. I wonder if there'll be a next one. <laughs> Val, what do you got coming up? Well, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, those stress balls you squeeze. If you use one to assault somebody, <laughs> you probably should either get more stress balls. Get more stress or- balls. Try a different, uh, different uh, way to relieve your stress. We'll talk I'm about that. I'm gonna run you up. over in my Prius. <laughs> we got a thousand bucks in workforce cash to give away here. Coming back uh, after the commercial break, and how to talk to your kids about James Harrison becoming a New England Patriot. That's forthcoming on the DVE Morning Show. If you enjoy drinking India Pale Ales, you might want to enjoy them in moderation because the hops that give the beer its unique taste have chemicals that lead to man boobs. Right, yeah. Gynecomastia. Brewers of IPA who, because of their job, have to taste the beer quite often know this and have a special name for the condition. They call it Brewer's Droop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That sounds like a romantic place to take a little drive. Randy Bauman. And the DVE Morning Show. It's like Gobbler's Knob for guys with man boobs. By the way, you know I was saying like... And uh, that's what you definitely don't want. (laughs) A lot of distillers got that. Gobbler's Knob. Uh, I'd much rather have Brewer's Droop. You know how I was saying that I was surprised that uh, with all the, uh, the clever names they come up with for craft beers these days... That one of these brewers didn't come up with a name for the IP, for an IPA that reflected his his man boobs. Yeah, I just thought of one, a great name for a, a heavy hopped IPA that might give you that bitch schlitz. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you have a nice? Uh, what do you got on tap? Uh, bitchlets. Mm. Move over. <laughs> Other beers. Brewers droop. Yes, <laughs> and they had the ill-fated drive right off of the bluff of Brewers droop. What do you got going on, Val? It's two minutes after seven at DVE. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Bitter cold air pouring back into the area. A couple snow showers today, temperatures in the lower teens. Then tonight, bitter cold down to one. Scattered flurries with that wind chill to minus 18. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 14 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The mother of accused cop killer Ramel Holt will be tried for lying to police during the four-day search for her son in November. Sherry Holt will be arraigned February 14th on account of hindering apprehension. The judge also held for court a hindering apprehension charge against Ramel Holt's cousin, Marcel Mason, yesterday. Holt's mother and the cousin are accused of helping him after he allegedly shot and killed New Kensington police officer Brian Shaw. Paul Manafort is suing special counsel Robert Mueller, the deputy attorney general who appointed Mueller and the U.S. Department of Justice. The lawsuit alleges that the Justice Department violated the law by appointing Mueller and challenges the special counsel's legal authority. Manafort, who served as Trump's campaign manager, was indicted on money laundering and other charges last year as part of Mueller's investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. He pleaded not guilty to those charges.
Police in New York City say the fire at the home of former President Bill Clinton and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was confined to a detached garage. The fire began yesterday on the building's second floor, their home in the Westchester town of Chappaqua, and spread to the building's attic. Hillary Clinton's communication director said the building was being used by the Secret Service and the Clintons were not even home at the time. Uh, Nobody was hurt in that fire. The Clintons have lived there since leaving the White House. No jackpot for you or you or me. Uh, No big winner in last night's Powerball. So the rollover to Saturday night's drawing increases that jackpot to an estimated $550 million. Half a billion dollars. That is Uh, a lot of dough. Significant. Ahead of that, there's this Friday night's Mega Millions drawing, and that's worth at least $418 million. So two pretty, pretty big jackpots. Up for grabs this weekend. You win that, you can fix your brewer's droop. You can do a lot of things. <laughs> you fix everybody's brewer's droop. Right. Cable companies know that some people have been sharing passwords with friends and family to get access to their programming, and they are not happy about it. In response, they're trying to crack down by forcing paying subscribers to log in more often and limiting the number of devices that can be used to stream at one time. If they keep the pressure on and continue to make changes, the uh, good old gravy train might be over for uh, any pirates sooner than you think. A police chief in England lost his shot at being the spokesmodel for those stress-relieving squeeze balls after using one to assault a fellow police officer during an angry rampage. Essex Police Deputy Chief Constable Matthew Horn was suspended from the force after he got into an argument with an underling and threw the ball at the man, striking (laughs) him right in the throat at close range. (laughs) An official report about the incident says Horn threw the stress relief device suddenly and for no apparent reason, then pushed the other officer over a desk, causing injuries. Uh, He allegedly confronted a second constable on his way to the parking lot and said he had to leave the station before he punched something. His uh, administrative trial is scheduled for the end of the month. That guy tried to stop him. He just beat him to death with a dream catcher. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my way. (laughs) A British woman who spent six years diagnosed with a bad case of Crohn's disease must not have been confident in that diagnosis because she went for a second opinion and found out she just had an old ketchup packet lodged in her intestine. A 41-year-old whose name wasn't released had not been responding to treatment for her symptoms, which lasted three or four-day stretches, but she kept trying different approaches until she finally agreed to exploratory surgery. The doctors who performed the operation found the cause of the problem, described in the OR log as two pieces of plastic bearing the word Heinz on them. Oh, wow. Woman, she a dog? woman told the hospital reps she had no memory of eating the packets and couldn't recall a meal where she may have mistakenly done so. Uh, she is in good shape and expected to recover. Doctors got the packet out by hitting her right on the neck a couple of times. <laughs> turned her upside down. I mean, how do you by accident eat a packet? I'm well, assuming that's a drunken... Like, in, you know, some subs, they stick the dressing or whatever in the... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You just grab it and ate it. Mm. I mean, I've definitely done something like that before. Yeah, but but I've never seen a sandwich that was loaded up with a ketchup packet. I don't know. Maybe they do it different over there. You know, as a person who formerly would, you know, uh, squeeze ketchup ketchup into my (laughs) mouth while I was driving, if I was. Just one of the grossest things you've ever told us about yourself. Dude, think about how efficient that is. Just the sound. 
You just rip it open with your teeth. One hand's on the wheel. Rip it open. Squeeze ketchup in your mouth. Then put some French fries in there. <laughs> Does that make more sense than trying to like dress your French fries with ketchup? No, I well, just yeah. I mean, you I, eat I, them ketchupless if you're yeah. driving. Well, I know you don't. Yeah, what's the point of eating them? You don't deconstruct the whole thing. I, that's didn't, what it was. I was ahead of the hipster curve. Didn't Pursuta say he ate the plastic on a sandwich once in a drunken stupor? Yes. Well, he comes so. in at the bottom of the hour. What the, I picture the him details. weighing like uh, Night Rider on the floor, hammered, <laughs> eating a delicious. eating a burger. <laughs> I know that is it is really sad that Hasselhoff video. I mean, by, it's it's a sad moment, but for you know. Not knowing any of the backstory and just seeing that guy crushed on the floor eating a hamburger. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. And that burger is so good. Definitely. Like, oh my God. It's <laughs> the best burger. This is the best burger ever. I mean, I told you guys, I, there was a period of time where Serena and I were trying to diet together and I had a side chick filet. I mean, I was <laughs> hitting the drive through and eating it in the car before I got home. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's- and I was like, I'm not worried about stripper glitter i'm worried about like the waffle fry sea salt <laughs> i gotta get that off my jeans stripper glitter i hope she doesn't feel the stickiness of the polynesian sauce on my lips <laughs> i mean i came close to eating part of the side of a fry container for sure i yeah i'm trying i i don't think i ever uh i'm sure that at some point in time i ate part of a ketchup packet like a corner, Heart. yeah, made it, not an entire thing. I don't eat that cool entire thing. A packet. Yeah, I mean that's something like a Labrador does. That's yeah. what I mean. I'm like, <laughs> well, at least they figured out what it was. A 1969 a Honda Monkey Trail bike, once owned by John Lennon, is expected to get close to $50,000 at auction. Auction house H&H Classics will put the bike up for sale March 4th at the National Motorcycle Museum in England. The late Beatle reportedly used that bike between 1969 and 71 to ride around his estate in Surrey, uh, the English countryside. H&H Classics lists the bike as unrestored with largely original parts and in running order. And tomorrow night, that big dope Rob Gronkowski will host a sports-centered stand-up special <laughs> on Showtime. Uh, it's uh, tomorrow night called Unsportsmanlike Comedy. He's the MC. He's actually going to do some stand-up as well. No. However, real comics will be featured on the show. They include Justin McKinney. Is that the guy from Alaska? He's been in, on the show a couple times. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. He was uh, actually was he a funny. State, Good memory. State trooper. Yeah, Something. good memory. Finesse Mitchell, Jay Larson, John Caparulo, and Lenny Clark also set to be on the the uh, special. Wow. So, you know, and Slack brought this point up. If this were a Pittsburgh Steeler doing this, you know, the media at large would be like, look at Tomlin. Can't control no his discipline. team. Belichick would never let this happen. You think one of the Patriots would ever be hosting a comedy special in the middle of a Super Bowl run? Are they all just going to be 69 jokes? Because that's pretty much <laughs> the depth of Gronkowski's humor. Uh, How many catches he had this year? 69. Yeah. He wasn't targeted in the second half because he had 69 catches. And he was oh like, God. don't throw it to me. Don't throw it to me. I'm coming out of the game. What a dope. I mean, I talk it. about a guy who probably thinks he's hilarious. Like, he probably thinks he has the best sense of humor oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> Meanwhile. He actually might he's be. A, he's a human Great Dane. 
He might be hilarious. He probably is really not likeable, intentionally. But... No, I know. Yeah, but he—he's your dopey friend. Yeah, no, he's hilarious like a Great Dane who thinks he's a little dog is hilarious. <laughs> Look, I... he thinks he's people. Didn't he do? Didn't Bird do a roast or something that he, he was on? Yeah, he he was on one of the roasts. Sartiana, when she was on the show, she wrote jokes for him that he those jokes he got in trouble for. And he totally screwed it up. I remember seeing video of that. Because his delivery is predictably awful. <laughs> he caught some Ugh. crap for... He said some racist stuff yeah. to, to Big Poppy. That's who it was. The yeah, roast you're right. That's yeah. exactly who it was. We don't have a clip of her talking about that. Oh, you do? All right, hold on a second. Here was Sian- uh, Sarah Tiana, very funny comedian, on our show talking... Oh, no, this is the Gronk joke that got him in trouble. Okay, I thought you had Sarah talking about it. Here we go. Here's the Gronk joke that he got in trouble for. And, and that superhero, you know, that Falcon, the superhero, that's the black guy. You know, who can, you know, who, who can even fly when he's not being chased by the cops? That's his superpower. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he totally screwed it up. <laughs> I mean... It just sounded really racist. I mean, it was racist. Look, but- can you imagine... And Andy Kindler running a slant route? No, because that's not what he does. I'd actually love to see that, but yeah, good point. Forecast today, colder with snow, high only in the teens. It was quite warm yesterday. Uh, low tonight near zero with wind chills of 18 below zero. It's 14 at DVE. I filled up my gas tank yesterday when it was like 23 degrees. I'm like, it's just smart. Yeah. I'm being smart right now. Yeah. Look at me. Filling up the tank right now. Now I'm like, I don't want to drive anywhere for three I days. <laughs> I, I have five I miles to empty. Dude, I've why just, didn't you get gas yesterday? I, I don't know. I was just, I'm an uh, idiot. I thought of it yesterday, but I was past all the gas stations on the way home. I'm like, yeah, I could probably make it. I don't really have too many places to is, go. Is there any full serve anywhere? Well, there is in the state of Oregon. All right, that's a little too far. There, well, <laughs> uh, let me let me rephrase that. Within five miles. Let me rephrase that. There was in the state of Oregon, and now there's a big uh, there's a big to do because they're they're going to self serve, and uh, people in Oregon just don't understand it. Like I, I I believe New Jersey is a full serve state. Okay, when I used to drive to my girlfriends in Jersey, yeah. I would go there, and they'd always throw me off because I'd get out of the car, and a guy'd be like, "Can I help you?" And I'm like, "Am I getting mugged?" And he'd be like, "No, I'm gonna fill up your tank." Uh, and then so I was like, oh, "Am mugged. I getting mugged?" <laughs> so I think there's a gas station over by Casty Village that's full service. There's got to be a couple. Got to be some guy named like Can that comes but out. Like and- full states, it's only two. There's only two. Yeah, but in Oregon, they're losing their mind about it because they don't understand. So. There's all these like Facebook comments on some news story. Is this from the newspaper or is it from like a local TV station? I think it's a local. It's from a TV station. TV station, yeah. I mean, people, they do not. This is a very bad idea. A very (laughs) bad idea. And then people check in and go, hey, this is hilarious. I'm from Wisconsin, and the wind chill is currently minus 17. You know what I did this morning? I pumped my gas. It's not that hard, people. And then someone comments to her, then stay there. <laughs> well, this is kind of cool. This is like getting to see what people's initial reaction to going self-serve was. But oh, today. 
Because I imagine, like, whenever they made that transition, whenever that happened, people were like, we can't do that. Well, it'll go everywhere. <laughs> Not a good idea. There are lots of reasons to have an attendant helping. One is they need a job, too. Many people are not capable of knowing how to pump gas and the hazards of not doing it correctly. Besides, I don't want to go to work smelling of gas when I get it on my hands or clothes. I agree. Very bad idea. What do they do when they go to other states? I don't know. They just stay they don't. in Oregon. I don't know how to pump gas. I'm 62, a native Oregonian. I say, no thanks. I don't want to smell like gasoline. Apparently, these people think you take out the nozzle and just... <laughs> do a Tommy boy. It's, it's so crazy, but Serena's dad lives in Oregon, and he is living in Ashland, which is like hippie. On this big hippie commune yeah. kind of thing. And he bragged to us last time he was in about uh, some fast food chain like a Pizza Hut or a McDonald's or a Wendy's or something came to Ashland and nobody went there and then they closed it after a year. Like he was like, we won. So that that's their mentality is like it's. 40 years ago there. Yeah. One of my favorite comments is some woman from Colorado chimes in and she's like, I'm in Colorado. We're forced to pump our own gas because I'm worried about my children being left in the car while I stand outside uh, in a skirt. I just pay the transients to pump it for me. (laughs) That way we're all safe and the transients are distracted from bothering those who are pumping their own gas. I think she should move (laughs) to Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Transients. I mean, that is, you're really gambling there. Everybody is losing their mind Here's 20. I'll take uh, seven gallons. The best is people from other states are chiming in on this thread now because everybody thinks it's so ridiculous and they're making fun of them. And all the Oregonians are like punching back at them like, oh, yeah, well, (laughs) this is not safe. I worked as a flight medic in Kansas. I've deployed with the Army. I've did paramedic internship in the city full of meth heads and lunatics. I worked as a nurse in a jail. None of these scare me as much as thought of having to pump fuel in Oregon. Wow. <laughs> All the bad things like getting out the of my transient. car and handling cooties and smelling like fuel. They're just getting trolled nonstop. <laughs> Imagine when they get the self-checkout 25 years from now. Oh, Lord. I'll never forget the first time I had to pump my own gas. I had to fight off a bear that was standing in front of the pump. <laughs> then I endured a hail of bullets from an enemy sniper fire while trying to swipe my card while I pulled the pump handle from the docking station and set off a series of booby traps. Next thing I knew, I was on my own version of Tomb Raider. Once I was done, a group of transients chased me to a tactical helicopter for miles. They wanted my tank of gas for making Nazi meth. <laughs> everybody's just trolling them it's so great uh mike I tomlin think the job thing is a legit like if they were just trying to protect people's jobs do you use self-checkout at giant eagle or anywhere i, I never do no it makes me mad you're part it's of the problem if you do uh i never do unless there's no line there and then i go over and i do it it's not that, any kind is of always. moral but, high ground. That, I, I, I'm bad with it, and then I don't have a, the Giant Eagle Advantage card for some reason. Like, Serena always has it. And so you, you got to dial in the phone do number. It. Or you have to dial in the phone number? No, yeah, you have to I'm give me your phone number. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do the self-serve without putting it. Your Giant Eagle card. So I've done it many times, and I feel like I'm really good at it. 
So in a way, I feel like I'm helping other shoppers. But I know it's bad because ultimately I'm taking away the, the you know a job. Well, we but went, that job's gone. So I don't we know. Went. I can't remember where it was the other day, and there were two regular like with a cashier lanes open, and there were six, four or six self serve. But there were three staff people there helping people right. on the self-checkout. I'm like, so why don't they just put them on a regular cash register instead of helping? Right. You know? They don't have to pay them as much, I guess. Instead I don't know. of just I, standing over by the baker's rack with the miscellaneous items that people don't want to buy and put back. And they just stand there like, All waiting, right, for, waiting, your, for, waiting the, for your light to start blinking. Yeah, you waiting for help. the siren to go off. And that's embarrassing. Don't you feel like you're in Giant Eagle Jail when that goes on? You're like, I uh, I went. There I made a big be mistake. A Giant Eagle Jail. I went to the Giant Eagle uh, and checked out Tuesday at five twenty, the day after New Year's Day. I'm afraid nobody there. It was slammed. Really? Uh, first day back. Yeah, first day after the holiday. I mean, there was like lines. I reconsidered even going in. It would look like the Baton Death March to get the huh. check out. And I had like I 14 items. You know what I mean? Like right over. That's the one thing I don't like doing. Oh, that's when you got to make a couple cuts. Uh-uh. Coffee was involved. I had to, <laughs> I had to do it. I would have uh, expected everybody was eating leftovers. <laughs> Val's still eating leftovers. There's no I doubt am. in my I mind. I have a lot. What did you have last night? The rest of the month. Kielbasa I, or no, I had pork? a salad last night. All right. Uh, yesterday I had, I made, um, orzo and chicken lemon soup. So I had that leftover, but I did bring pork and sauerkraut for lunch today. Are you really going to heat that up in the microwave here? I already did on Monday or wait, what day is this? Tuesday. Today's Thursday. Uh, all right. Well, it's better than your stinky beef. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're really becoming sticklers on Jeopardy. Listen to this, uh, that occurred the other day. Roy Wood Jr. uh, of the Daily Show, our friend Roy illuminated me to this a song by coolio from dangerous minds goes back in time to become a 1667 john milton classic nick what is gangster's paradise lost yes our judges have reevaluated one of your responses a few moments ago nick you said gangsters instead of gangstas on that song by coolio <laughs> so we take 3200 away from you so you are now in second place oh it's gangstas when will white people learn? If you say the ER, you always lose. You always lose. The more shocking thing in that clip to me was it sounds like somebody farted right now. No, at the I think that was, was it was. Roy's kid. Yeah, because it was from Roy's, like Roy was recording oh, it okay. with his phone. Gangstas. Yes, Gangstas. never say the ER. You always lose. That it's, seems a bit nitpicky, doesn't it? Come on, you have to give them that one, yeah, gangsters. I got the answer. Gangsters. Oh, sorry. This says moops. <laughs> uh, the Steelers got a big game <laughs> in two weeks. <laughs> but no game this weekend. That won't stop us from uh, revisiting the Tomlin translator to parse through the real meaning of uh, what Mike Tomlin had to say at his weekly press conference, plus how to talk to your kids about James Harrison becoming a New England Patriot. We'll talk to Hall of Fame guru Rick Goslin about the uh, latest class of inductees into Canton, or at least the hopefuls, Alan Fanica being among them. And Mike Pursuta coming in next with sports. Lev Bell uh, talking quite a bit yesterday about how the Steelers are ready, and they don't, they don't have any excuses. Plus, you'll hear from Mike Mitchell uh, getting ready for Steelers postseason action. Uh, by the way, the odds are out 
on Super Bowl likelihood here. The New England Patriots have the best odds to reach the Super Bowl. Five to seven, fifty-eight percent, a fifty-eight percent chance. Steelers, twenty-nine percent. Jags, Chiefs, both at eleven, and then uh, Tennessee and Buffalo with two each. The Vikings have the best odds to make it to the Super Bowl in the NFC, seven to four. That's a thirty-six percent chance. The Saints are at twenty. Then the Rams, uh, Rams also have twenty. The Eagles, Falcons, and Panthers follow. Patriots also have the best odds to win the Super Bowl at nine to four. Uh, or 31%. If they do, it would be their third in four years. The sixth win for Tom Brady and Belichick. The Vikings at 21% have the second best odd to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. So if things go as the odds say, the Vikings would become the first team in NFL history to play Super Bowl at their home stadium. And uh, that's, you know, five years in advance they picked the, the venue. So. Yeah, that would be a big deal. Big deal. Of the 12 teams in the playoffs, the Rams had the longest odds to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. They were 100-1. to That was probably the biggest surprise of the season. The Rams. Yeah. Yeah, there were a Even lot. Even though they had a stacked, you know, they, they had a lot of good players, but Jeff Fisher, I mean, they just looked like crap last year. Yeah. For so long. All right, well, Mike's coming in next with sports and uh, – Another shot at winning a thousand bucks of workforce cash coming up at the top of the hour at eight o'clock. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Did you stop that? Slack, uh, <laughs> Slack is living up to his name this morning. <laughs> Little REM. Sure. Yeah, thanks for stopping that, by the way. Hey, this one goes out. To Mikey Pursuta, 70s night at the Pens game tonight. We went with a, a 90s song. DVE Sports. Mike's got your sports right now on DVE. You know, with, even with the bye week, there's no shortage of anticipation for the Steelers. Well, you, you would think that. Uh, certainly no, no shortage of anticipation on my end. I'm sure the fans are all excited. Uh, to quote the great Bill Parcells, this is why you lift all them weights, right? This is what it's all about, the postseason. But uh, I spoke with Mike Mitchell yesterday. And he said uh, he's less than overwhelmed by postseason excitement at this early juncture. Yeah, it's always a good thing to know that you're in the the tournament, but and I, I'm not excited. Um, this is like I'm more of a, okay, got the first part done. It's more of a relief type thing, and now it's it's the more serious job of uh, we know we got to win three, um, which is hopefully easier than winning four. We know we got to win three, and that's the deal, right? Uh, they they yep. show up to OTAs thinking about winning the Super Bowl. They go to training camp thinking about winning the Super Bowl. The regular season is about qualifying for the postseason so that you can win the Super Bowl. Uh, 13-3 and three or not, it is Super Bowl or bust with the Steelers, just as it always is. Welcome to Pittsburgh. There's no way around that, right? There really isn't. Um, but at the end of the day, why else do you do it? You know, the the whole goal is for us to be a world champion. Man, I, I haven't been coming in at 6 a.m. for f- four years consecutively every day to not win it. 
So I guess the answer, it would be a disappointment to win 13 games and not win a Super Bowl. That would, it'd be like, damn, we did all of that for nothing. <laughs> it's been a hell of a season, right? And there's the potential that all of that was done for nothing. Well, we went through all of the uh, the drama, the distractions, the off the field, the on the field. Week in, week out, there seemed to be some subplot to their quest for seven. And um, Mike Mitchell was definitely involved in at least one of those. But I don't know if you say, I think it's like just argumentative to say, oh, it's all for naught. Like, ah, it was all for nothing. I mean, does anybody really believe that? Yeah, I think they do. All that work we did was for nothing. You think that's how most NFL players end their season? I don't know about most. I mean, the team I cover, yeah, they're not going to. No, that's nobody's going to get a thirteen and three T-shirt if they end up getting beat by Jacksonville in the divisional round, or if they mm-hmm. lose to New England again in the AFC Championship game. It's funny you go around the league and you see that. I love going to Kansas City because they always put that they they have that flag hanging just under the American flag in the one end zone. Nineteen sixty nine World Champions. 1969. I mean, this you know this has happened to the Steelers more than anybody else in the Super Bowl era, and yet it's never enough. And when it happens so many times, then that becomes the only acceptable outcome after a while. And that's just you know nobody. The standard is the standard. If they go up and lose to New England in the AFC Championship game. Nobody is going to look back on this season with any fond memories ever. No, and it's going to hurt twice as bad because you know that they're one step closer. To get in the sixth one, so there's there's that hanging over the playoffs. But uh, the good news is Mike Mitchell maintains the Steelers are Super Bowl capable. They just have to take that next step. I think we have a Super Bowl champion team. It's just a matter of matter of us going and winning three games. But I believe that I believe that when we were ten and six, I think we just made more mistakes four years ago. I believe that when we were eleven and five, we just made more mistakes than we did this year. Um, I think we have a championship team. We've had a championship team. It's just going to be us putting it all together. Um, I keep saying that, but that's only really it's just for me and, and, and guys like Ryan or, you know, that have been here for four years. You know, it's our senior year. We've gotten a, 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 a step closer every year. Finish the job in your senior year. It has been an interesting progression, has it not? They made the playoffs again in 2014 and lost to the Ravens. The Ben Tate game. Mm -hmm. Then the next year, they lost in Denver after winning. Lost in the second round, the Fitz Toussaint game. And then last year, all the way to the AFC Championship game. didn't, Didn't end the way they wanted it to, so... If there's anything to the progression that they've been taking, they're now poised to take that last step, right? Let's hope. I'm, I just hope we have our horses to take the steps. That's it. A.B., Lev, Juju, other keep than, the offensive line healthy. Other than Ryan Shazier, they are remarkably healthy. Assuming that Antonio Brown comes back, which I think is a pretty safe assumption at this point. Um, if they can keep that together... We shall see. They had the shoulder. Got to go on a three-game run. That's it. They had the shoulder pads on at practice yesterday, and uh, Todd Haley was at practice yesterday. 
Oh, how's his broken hip? Is his leg been amputated yet? He's able to walk. Oh. And otherwise function. So the reports of his leg's demise were premature? Or he's walking around on a broken hip. Yeah, well. Do you think if they were playing this weekend that one of Ben's audibles would be, Tequila Cowboy, Tequila (laughs) Cowboy, Dilly Dilly. (laughs) Bronco, Bucking Bronco. (laughs) Ben's are hosting Carolina tonight, uh, 7 o'clock at PPG Paints Arena and on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 The X. As you mentioned, they're celebrating 70s night. Yeah. So I can uh, agonize one more time over the okay. dramatic rise and incredible fall of the 1974-75 Pittsburgh Penguins. A team that beat the St. Louis Blues two games to none in the best of three preliminary round. A team that sprinted to a three games to none lead over the New York Islanders in the NHL quarterfinals, only to lose four consecutive games. The last one, one to nothing. At the Civic Arena. I think you should go there tonight and just uh, heckle uh, players from you know 40 years ago. And this was a team, that not only the Penguins' first legitimate team, they had nine 20-goal scorers in an era when scoring 20 was a big deal. Nine. Nine of them. They were. Jean Prono with 43. Rick Keogh, 32. Vic Hatfield, 31. Pierre LaRouche, 31. Lowell McDonald, 27. Bob Battleship Kelly, 27. Chuck Arneson, 26. Sillaps, 24. And Ron Schock, 23. Defenseman Ron Stackhouse had 15 goals. 15 still a big deal for a defenseman. Old hit him with your purse. Stackhouse could really play an offensive game. Battleship Kelly and Steve Durbano were two of the toughest guys in the league in a fighting Broad Street Bullies era. They could score on you. They could kick your ass. They had a great young goalie in Gary Innes. And, and, they, and yet, they and lost, yet. and it was all for nothing. They did all that for it nothing. Was. Then they went bankrupt. Thank they God. Get, they had to get rid of all those good guys. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. There used to be nights they would play uh, anchors away on the organ when Battleship Kelly was doing his thing, and it was majestic. Mm-hmm. Well, until game seven. Thankfully, they blew it, and we got Mario yeah. six years later. You should just go in a bunch of Pirates and Steelers gear. They had pretty good yeah. 70s. They did. No, the Pens are having an 80s night. 80s, I think, were worse than the 70s. Despite the addition of Mario. Yeah. Took a while. Just uh great era for hair, though. Oh. 80s hair was the best hair. They should just put up, like, big, you know, those enlarged heads that people hold. Like, just show, like, Recky Mullet and... Yager Mullet. Yager Mullet. Lemieux Mullet. Borky Mullet. Well, that'd probably be more... Yeah, that was 80s, wasn't it? Late 80s? Recky? Recky wasn't. No. no. Early 90s. Yeah, but they, they had mullets in the 80s. They just weren't with the Penguins. <laughs> Trace them back to their mullet roots. I'm sure, they, yeah, they probably uh, had those for a long time. James long Harrison uh, tweeted out, or rather Instagrammed, a, a picture of his new Patriots Harrison jerseys that he's giving all of his family yesterday. When we come back from this commercial break, how to oh, talk yeah. to your kids about James Harrison joining the Patriots. Spoiler alert, it's, it's not easy. Also, the Tomlin translator will parse through the words of our coach at his weekly press conference and get to the real meaning. 
and Rick Goose Goslin, formerly the Dallas Morning News, currently what he's doing a, a podcast with it's called the uh, Talk of Fame Network. Okay, and uh, they talk a lot of football, a lot of Hall of Fame. It's pretty good stuff. It's a great name. Well, Goose is one of the most revered uh, football intellects in the country, so he knows a lot about the Hall of Fame. Alan Fanica on the verge of being inducted to Canton. We'll talk with Goose about the most recent class of hopefuls. Stan Saverin closing things out a little bit later on this morning and your chance at 1000 bucks going up at 8. Hi, this is Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to Randy Bauman, the DVE Morning Show. Tonight on DVE, we present programming for parents whose kids may be having a tough time understanding how the Steelers' all-time sack leader could join the evil empire. Tonight at 8, how to talk to your kids about James Harrison going to the Patriots. Dad, I thought you said I'd never regret picking my Harrison jersey. I did say that, sweetheart, but I guess I just never imagined this scenario. But some of my teachers told me that he also did a bad thing with his girlfriend a lot of years ago. Yeah, you know, I heard something like that, but I, I don't know what happened there and... Really, that's on purpose, because I could easily read that stuff on the internet. Google, what happened with James Harrison and his girlfriend? No, Google, Google, don't answer that, Google. Google, power down. Look, girls, sometimes good people do bad things or make bad decisions. Did he go to New England for the money? No, he signed with them for $59,000. We could have raised that at a bake sale at my school for him not to play for New England. Yeah! I know, but he's a competitor, and look, he wants to play, and I guess he did a bunch of stuff to get them to release him. Why didn't the Steelers just put him on the do-better chair for the rest of the season? I don't know, but that's what I would have done. Now, he's playing for the enemy, telling them all our secrets. It's it's not right. It's... It's psychological warfare. How do you know those words? We heard you talking to Pappy, and those were the only words we're allowed to say. Okay, well, listen, sometimes good parents say bad things, girls. So it was a bad decision? Exactly. Daddy made a bad decision. How are you different from James Harrison, then? What? Well, because I got a little emotional and used some adult language, that's how. I didn't leave you at the bus stop one day and then text mommy a picture of me being a daddy with a different family. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Steel's fans will hate him forever? No. I mean, look, he made the greatest defensive play in Super Bowl history, and he helped us win two Lombardi trophies. Nothing he does can take that away. Even playing for Belichick and the Cheatriots? Even playing for Belichick and the Cheatriots. But what if he sacks Big Ben? And causes a fumble and then scores five times? Okay, all right, all right, that's enough. Now go to bed, girls. I love you. Good night. How to talk to your kids about James Harrison going to the Patriots tonight on DVE. It's the DVE morning show. When he played for the Steelers, ah, hold James Harrison as much as you want. Now that he's a Patriot, let the flags fly. Holding. Offense. I mean, what happens if you hurt him? <laughs> what are you going? You're, gl- you're going gluey. Uh, yeah, I mean... You know, you get a penalty. You don't get arrested. <laughs> when he goes low, we take his knees out. We go lower. Right. All right. Val Porter is on board for injuring James Harrison. <laughs> I mean, not. Val, well, Bounty Gate. 
I was going to say, <laughs> not career ending, but he's 39, so it might be. Yeah. Hey, hear that? Any injury is career ending for him at yeah. this point. Any member of the uh, <laughs> the the Kansas City Chiefs or uh, the Steelers listening, there's a uh, big pot of lemon orzo chicken soup for you <laughs> coming from Fern Porter. I, I was just saying off air, if I'm Ben, if I'm any of the coaches, I tell Villanueva, first of all, I put somebody else over there. I'm loading that side up every time he's in there. But I say, look, just tackle him, bring him to the ground, hold him. Again, we're worrying about something that is not necessarily going to happen. We don't know. I think it's definitely going to happen. Know. I, Any I, given Sunday. Yeah, Whether that's right. it's on Sunday or not. Well, we got to take care of business in the yeah, divisional the, round. Look, the Bills, the Bills could beat the Jags and then the Patriots. Patriots always have trouble against the Bills. Somebody pointed happen. out on Twitter, I think it was Matt Williamson, that the first round, that, that Jags-Bills game seems like not a playoff game, a game that should be played in London. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. I mean, how are those two teams in the playoffs? Uh, we're going to talk with but Rick Goslin of the, uh, good. the Dallas Morning News and uh, Talk of Fame Network, and we'll talk about the newest potential inductees into Canton and uh, Alan Fanica being one of those. Also, Stan Saverin, uh, the Tomlin Translator, all on the way. Val has news next. We're going to talk about the fact that sex injuries are on the rise and what the most common are. And you could win a thousand bucks workforce cash next. You know, they're really becoming sticklers on Jeopardy. Listen to this uh, that occurred the other day. Roy Wood Jr. Uh, of The Daily Show, our friend Roy, illuminated me to this. A song by Coolio from Dangerous Minds goes back in time to become a 1667 John Milton classic. Nick, what is Gangster's Paradise Lost? Yes. Our judges have reevaluated one of your responses a few moments ago, Nick. You said gangsters instead of gangstas on that song by Coolio. <laughs> so we take 3200 away from you, so you are now in second place. Oh, it's gangstas. When will white people learn? If you say the ER, you always lose. You always lose. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. He illuminated that, not illuminated me. He didn't like me. But anyways... That wasn't a fart in the middle of it. I think it was Roy's baby. Probably farted. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Wait. I mean, babies fart. All the All time. The time. <laughs> and they love it. Nothing funnier to them. Still, I mean, I got a six and a nine-year-old. Still cracks them up. I don't know what's funnier to me, a ba- like baby or toddler farting. Or a dog farting and just not knowing what, like, yeah. the dog goes like, and they like, look over like, what is that? There was a Dogs uh, are confused by their own farts. <laughs> there was a video going around a while of this dog <laughs> farting and it scared him. It scared him. Yeah. Oh my God, there's, there's, there's <laughs> 10 YouTube videos of babies farting and crying, like farting themselves awake or farting themselves and it hurts. <laughs> and they start Aww. crying and it's the funniest thing. Because <laughs> it's basically their whole digestive system is. Yeah. I mean, these are first tracks. Right. <laughs> yeah, <know>? fresh, <laughs> fresh tracks. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? There's a monster inside me. That would be terrifying if you had no idea what, what was going was, on. Yeah. Nobody can explain it like to you. Like if you had never farted and you made it like, you and know. And then everybody laughs at you. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. Because when, ba- like when they first 
come out of the oven. Baby's number two sounds like a, a frappuccino maker. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is bad. You're like, ugh. And it's painful. <sighs> and then it becomes painful again. Life you- is cyclical. <laughs> and then post-holiday for the rest of your life. Val, what do you got going on? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Bitter cold air pouring back into the area. A couple snow showers today. Temperatures in the lower teens. Then tonight, bitter cold down to one. Scattered flurries with that wind chill to minus 18. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. It's 15 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A family is grieving the death of a loved one while honoring his love for the Steelers. Alfonso Garza of Texas died last month. His family said he had already picked out his casket. The casket is black with gold detailing and has the Steelers logo right on the top. Nice. He even has his name inscribed at the bottom. Garza claimed to be the biggest Steelers fan out there. His granddaughter tweeted the Steelers are going all the way this year because now they have an angel watching over them. Oh, that's nice. It's it's probably, it would be shocking if we realized how many Steelers-themed funerals there were. Yeah. I mean, I know people get buried in their jerseys. That's just something, that's a given. But Steelers caskets. Remember there was that story of the guy who was laid out in his recliner? Mm-hmm. They should get Steely to be a pallbearer. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> Steve Bannon believes Donald get Trump. Get the parrot to help him. Yeah. Iceberg. Steve Bannon believes Donald Trump met with Russian representatives during the 2016 campaign. The allegation appears in an excerpt of the new book Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House by journalist Michael Wolf. Although Bannon was not yet part of the Trump campaign when Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner met with that Russian lawyer, Bannon says there's zero chance that Don Jr. did not introduce the lawyer to his father president has steadfastly denied even knowing about the meeting until details of it surfaced in the investigation into Russian meddling. Regardless of whether Bannon's allegation is true, he says simply taking the meeting was treasonous. He adds that even if you disagree with that, someone should have called the FBI immediately. Mm -hmm. The president has Mm -hmm. fired back, saying that when Bannon was fired from the White House, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. Late Wednesday, Trump lawyers uh, did send a cease and desist letter to Bannon, ordering him to stop communicating confidential and disparaging information at the president. Can Uh, you cease and desist someone for saying disparaging things? Like if they're talking bad about you? I don't know. I mean, you can't say it's false. And also, you had a uh, non-disclosure agreement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those bombshells bombshells from Michael Wolff's book, Fire and Fury... (laughs) Uh, they keep coming based on his interviews with 200 people, including high-ranking officials. Wolf claims Trump called acting Attorney General Sally Yates the C-word. Yates was fired when she refused to enforce Trump's first immigration ban. He told now director. No, I don't of, think Trump's misogynistic. No, no that doesn't, that sound, doesn't like sound like him. He told now director of communications Hope Hicks that she is quote unquote the greatest piece of tail that former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski will ever have. There was. There were rumors the two of them were dating during the campaign. He made a game of trying to sleep with his friend's wives, inviting (laughs) the husband into his office and asking sexually provocative questions while the wives were secretly listening on speakerphone. Oh, my God. We're in so much trouble. 
Trump was genuinely, this is in the book, Trump was genuinely surprised by his victory and had kept up the campaign mainly as a means of building a media empire <laughs> and apparently really didn't want to be the president. Well, yeah, we know. We were joking about that. We were just oh. saying that. And now to to hear that it's probably, I mean, that's closer to the truth than not. And meanwhile, he may launch nuclear war to distract from all of this. Rupert Murdoch once called him an effing idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with Rupert Murdoch. Was he talking to Tillerson? Add him to the list. Uh, Jared Kushner (laughs) and Ivanka Trump made a pact that if the opportunity ever arose, Ivanka would run for president first. I got news for you, Ivanka. And felons can't run. Trump admonished housekeepers for picking up clothes that he'd left on the floor of his bedroom, saying, if I put my shirt on the floor, it's because that's where I want it. (laughs) <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter says it has a whole new batch of revelations that they will be publishing today. Now, that guy is a longtime buddy of Trump. This wolf guy? Yeah. He wrote for the New York Post for a long time, apparently, and like a bunch of salacious sort of rags. So there was a lot of reason to believe that the people who were involved in all of this, because yesterday was an insane day. (laughs) It was crazy. Because remember when we woke up and we thought the main news was going to be that he was uh, involved in a a nuclear button measuring contest with North Korea? Mm -hmm. My button's bigger than your button. And yeah. I thought that was going to be the biggest news. There was like 10 things that happened yesterday. But so that guy, Bannon and Trump are all notorious liars. And uh, so people said, hey, take this all with a grain of salt. And that wolf guy came out and he said, uh, I have tapes mm-hmm. to back it all up. Well, and here's the other thing. Release it, the tapes. It's against the law to print lies, isn't it? Yes. I mean, can't you be sued well, for that? Well, you definitely and- can. That's yeah, libel. libel. Um, you're liable to be sued. I I don't know. We have so many problems, so many. But I look it, forward to the day. In I hope there's a day where we don't have to deal with this all the time. Where we just forget about the government. Just, yeah, they just it's just <laughs> operating, and we don't have to watch every five minutes to find out if we cease to exist. But this this I mean we're talking about the Steelers drama, but this drama is is times a million. Val, you're, you're, you and Slack are the, the wrestling people. I've seen somebody, because yesterday when it's like Bannon turning on Trump, I've seen good guys go heel, a la Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan. But has a heel ever gone babyface? I think they go back and forth. Do they? Sometimes. Because I've never seen that. Well, what happens sometimes is if it's a heel on heel and the heel turns on the other guy, like Steve Bannon turning on Trump, then that makes Trump the babyface. So he's like the victim. Yeah, because he's he's the victim of, uh-huh. of his friend being traitorous. All right, this is getting confusing. Yeah. I'm trying to follow along. I don't know, but Bannon lost uh, Rebecca Mercer last night, the billionaire who was funding Breitbart. She's like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with you. Mm. If, you're, if you're telling everybody about treason, we wanted to keep that quiet. <laughs> All right, what was I paying you for? <laughs> Because he, he, look, this is why the president, like, the, there was a statement released last night. Somebody, it looked like he didn't write it. Like he, They claim he did because the part where he said that when he lost his job, he lost his mind. He's yeah. like, he specifically wanted to make sure that was in there. Because I just picture him 
just gunning his meatloaf off the wall. <laughs> like just running down the hallway. And his beautiful screaming. chocolate cake. Like, you son of a... And then tripping on his shirt. <laughs> I wanted it there. Ah, who put that there? Me? He, he only hires the best people, except for all the guys who were registered as foreign agents and uh, the guy who now calls insane. And uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Scaramucci. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on of completely unqualified people who are put in ridiculous powers our positions of power. I think that the Post, or it was either the Post or the Times, put out a story about Bannon and what he used. He used to call Kushner. They said he called him Frodo, as in Frodo Baggins. But then they had to say, we wanted to correct that. He called him Fredo from The Godfather. Uh-huh. It's like, that's a real story. That's a real correction they had to make. Uh-huh. Not Frodo. It- Fredo. A complete bleep show. And they got rid of that phony voter fraud committee with yeah. that they derelict Kobach guy, whatever his name is, from Kansas. Good Lord, will it never end, Valerie? Well, it looks like L.A.'s Day of the Doors <laughs> celebration has turned into an annual thing. Last year, the 50th anniversary of the release of the band's debut album on January 4th, 1967, was celebrated with a ceremony and brief performance by the two surviving members in Venice where the Doors first came together. Today, the second we annual... walked along the beach and Jim told me the lyrics to Moonlight Drive. <laughs> Today, <laughs> the second annual Day of the Doors will take place at the intersection of Morrison Street and Densmore Avenue in the Encino section of town. A special street sign will be unveiled, and drummer John Densmore will read some of late singer Jim Morrison's poetry. He, I mean, Ray Manzarek, rest his soul, he wrung that Morrison legacy dry for so long. He was so good at, like, doing interviews and talking about Jim was a shaman. You never knew what he, you know, and if you look into it further, it really... I don't know how long that would have lasted. They were either on the right track with L.A. Woman, and they were about to become a legitimate, long-standing band who really figured it out, or they were going to implode because the lead singer turned into, like, you know, just a big, fat, crazy person. (laughs) And today's National Spaghetti Day, by the way. Mm. I'm Jim Morrison for National Spaghetti Day. I mean, if he was alive, you never know. He wouldn't have stayed that good looking for that long. Colder with snow today, high in the teens tonight. Temperatures near zero, but wind chills of 18 below. We're at 13 degrees now at DVE. Rick uh, Goose from the Dallas Morning News and uh, Talk of Fame Network joining us right now on the DVE Morning Show. Goose, what's up, man? Good morning. Oh, uh, embracing this cold weather we have here. We're in the 30s. Oh, no kidding. Well, that reminds oh. me of the last time I was in Dallas. <laughs> And it was freezing down there for a season. You guys hosting the Super Bowl again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still waiting on our first snowfall, though. Well, just put sand on everything like you did last time, and I'm sure it'll turn out fine. <laughs> well, you have, you have no since that Super Bowl, we have bought a salt truck. Oh, we good. We have a salt truck. A truck. Just the yeah. one. A yeah. truck. A truck. Well, that's right. Just get one to come over the border for making all of those uh, margaritas and just spread that stuff around, and you'll be good. Uh, so the Hall of Fame uh, contenders, 15 modern era finalists are out there. Now, Alan Fanick is among them, and I would have to think uh-huh. uh, he's a pretty strong candidate. In your estimation, is it a sure thing for Alan? Uh, there are no sure things in this room. Yeah, yeah that's, there's, I think um, 
if there's a sure thing, it's probably Ray Lewis who went to, what, 13 Pro Bowls to the first team all-decade guy. And the next two guys, honor-wise, are Fanuc and Dawson. They both went to nine Pro Bowls, and they were first team all-decade. I mean, they would appear to be favorites. But here's the problem we've got. We get to pick uh, five players out of this class, and we have 12 all-decade players Mm. on the ballot. So we're going to tell seven all-decade players it's not your time. And and when we cut the list from 25 to 15, we told six other all-decade guys, including three first-teamers, it's not your time. So no matter who you pick, it's impossible to take a bad class, but it's impossible to pick a class that we will not be criticized for. Now, if Ray Lewis makes it, would he, in your estimation, be the first Hall of Famer who successfully plea bargained the double murder charge down to obstruction of justice? Well, let's. Well, how, how, where do you put O.J. Simpson on? This I was just going to say O.J. didn't. <laughs> that was post. He yeah, he didn't have to plead. Induction. Yeah. He beat it. <laughs> but but notice they they didn't pull his bust out of the can. Uh, yeah, even that the bylaws say you're not supposed to take into consideration anything outside the white lines. So even if those white lines do, are chalk lines. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> no, so he's. So that won't that won't even come up in the discussion. If it does come up in the discussion, uh, Joe Horgan will shoot that kind of part of the conversation down. So he'll so be judged strictly on his football. All right. So Alan Fanica is uh, up against some pretty stiff competition, as you said. Ray Lewis, you know, most likely, you know, uh, as close to a lock as you're going to get. But uh, what do you think uh, about uh, John Lynch? Two safeties up. Lynch has been around. I think he's with his. Him and Brian Dawkins, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I, I think you could probably have a middle linebacker, uh, probably a wide receiver, offensive lineman, and a defensive back, and then a wild card. Now, the problem Fanica has is there are five offensive linemen on the ballot, and three of them are all decade. And, and the problem, I, I saw this a couple of years back, we had four pass rushers. Well, you had Chris Dolman, we had like Richard Dent. We had four pass rushers, and they all got knocked out in the vote to 10 because they split the room. If you're a Fanica guy, you're not going to vote for Baselli. If you're a Jacoby guy, you're not going to vote for Fanica. So I could see at least three of these guys get knocked out and they cut to ten. And if you you got to survive that to really have a shot. So I, I think the fact that there are five of them is going to hurt Fanica. It's going to hurt all offensive linemen. But I do think one offensive lineman gets in, and Fanica's got the best resume in that group. How many of you guys actually are there, Rick? Is it 35? <laughs> 48. 48. 48. It's and, and 10, I think 10, uh, 10 no votes, 9, nine no votes, uh, kill a guy. And you play this process out, the, the discussing of it, it takes as long as it takes, right? I mean, there's, it's, not yeah. like, it's not like you sit there for an hour. You get together in the morning before the Super Bowl, and, and when you're done, you're done. Yep, we do it in one, one sitting. Now, some of the discussions may last an hour. Al Davis, um, Paul Tagabu, uh, Terrell, Terrell Owens, the last couple of years, uh, these have discussions have gone an hour. Some are quick. Joe Montana is a one-minute discussion, move on. Um, right. I, I, I think there will be a little more discussion for Ray Lewis. I don't think you let him off the hook that quickly. But that will be a fairly quick discussion. But, yeah, it, it takes – it's about a – we generally wrap up about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We, we start at 7 in the morning. Uh a cornerback, Everson Walls, kind of emerged this year. I was always a fan. I, I thought he was tremendous. 
Uh, when I was a kid, he he was one guy I thought defensively was you know right. just a great corner and just missed breaking up the catch. Uh, but uh, going up against Ty Law, do you see either one of those making the cut? Yeah, I can see. First off, I think Ty Law should have gone in last year. I thought Jason Taylor got Ty Law's spot. I thought Ty Law was was the better candidate. Um, you know, he had championships. He had uh, all decade acclaim. He had he was an NFL interception leader. I, I thought He's from Alacopa. Yeah, I, I thought uh, I was surprised, and also he's um, was related to Tony Dorsett. He spent a lot of summers in Dallas, so we like him for that reason. But what, Walls, I, I can't explain how a guy can slip through the crack, cracks for twenty years. He's the only cornerback to lead the NFL in interceptions three times. Only one other player has done it. That's Ed Reed, and next year he's probably a first ballot guy. Uh, Walls is fifth, the fifth among pure corners in interceptions for fifty-seven. He began his career as a cornerback. He ended it as a corner. He didn't wash into safety like some of these guys. And yet, for 20 years, he's not discussed. How does that happen? This is his first, last, and probably only shot at the Hall of Fame. Now, does that come into play? Does that put him over law? I don't know. Uh, like I said, I think I think there'll be a defensive back in this group, and it could be law. I think law deserves it and a wild card, and there's usually one wild card every year, and I would not be surprised if Walls is the wild card. I, I could see two corners going in, more so than two offensive linemen. Goose, no uh, Hines Ward on the finalist list this year. Uh, is that a bad uh, sign for Hines Ward long term? <clears throat> well, I think all those guys are going to be in a holding pattern until something happens with Moss and Owens. As long as you got those two guys in the belt, that, that there are no other receivers really going to be considered. And they're so both up this year. Right, right. They're both up. And I'm curious now, this is the first time Moss has been in the room. And the way Owens has gotten beaten up in the room the last couple of years, I'm curious how they address Moss. Because if the Owens camp is going to say, if you're going to keep Owens out, you better keep Moss out too. Because Moss is the guy that quit, quit a couple teams and, and said he plays he wants to play. I mean, is that a first ballot Hall of Famer? So I, I think Moss still has a good shot of getting in. But I'm curious to see how this discussion goes, if, especially if, it, if the room becomes divided over the Owens camp and the Moss camp. The veteran, uh, or excuse me, the seniors committee guys usually get in, correct? Yeah, by and large. Yeah, that's especially now. Um, we, we got Jerry Kramer, Robert Brazil are the two guys, and I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm, the two guys I'm pitching are Kramer because I'm on the senior committee, and also Everson Walls because I'm the Dallas rep. But I, I do think Kramer, he's been in the room I think ten times. He's, he was depicted as the best guard in the first 50 years of the NFL. I don't see how you can keep him out. So Best b- block in NFL history, or most famous block, most, I should say. Most famous say. block yeah. in NFL history, yeah. He had some help. And uh, Bobby Bethard uh, might, might get in uh, for personnel, right? Yeah, he'll, yeah, those guys are virtually slam dunk. Unless you're, well, last year with Tagaboo. I thought they brought Tagaboo back too soon. Uh, I think they needed some more change on the board. Uh the same guys that voted Tagaboo down as a modern era candidate voted him down as a senior candidate. I think, you know, if you change some faces, it gets some new people. Usually that's how guys get in. That's how, I think that's how Swan finally got in. There were a number of uh, voters that changed uh, that, that, that year, and it changed from no votes to yes votes. And I think that's what's going to happen with Tagaboo. you got to get some more, uh, some younger faces, some newer faces on the, on the panel. Who's going to win a Super Bowl? New England or Pittsburgh, winner of the AFC title game. Oh, man. I think there's only two teams worthy. I mean, the two NFC teams, uh, the two top seeds have backup quarterbacks. <laughs> so I think the winner's definitely coming out of the AFC, and I think the, the two teams are head and shoulders above everybody else. 
And what did you see uh, when those two teams met here in December? I saw a pitch for Glenn. Aha! The referee, the referee did, but that, it's amazing that 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 the catch rule has has changed the whole dynamic of this playoff. That game should be in Pittsburgh, and if it's in Pittsburgh, I like the Steelers' chances, and I I still like the Steelers' chances going up there if Brown's with them. Now I think if Antonio Brown had played the last two games, he might have been the MVP of the league. Uh. Last thing I have for you uh, in regards to the Hall of Fame. Uh, we're talking sure. with uh, Rick Goslin, Goose Goslin, the Dallas Morning News, the Talk of Fame Network. Brian Erlacher, if he were to get in, which seems unlikely but this year, but uh, if he were to get in, would his bust be bald Brian Erlacher or hair transplant <laughs> Brian Erlacher? Well, ask me that next year because I don't see two linebackers going in in this class. Goose Goslin, thanks for your time as always, man. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. We'll my pleasure. DV. Boy, if there's a better NFL guest than Goose Goslin, I don't know who it is. There Find is me not. one. There is not. Thanks to. But uh, that was a really good question you threw at him there, Mike. Which oh, one? Ray Lewis. I think he would be in that category. Definitely. They should put that in the bio. Yeah, I don't think uh, Ray Carruth is going to get in. Well, you know, he shouldn't. You shouldn't be excused for off the field stuff. I get that the you know in between the lines stuff, but yeah, I think you should. Uh, it should at least hold you out. Eh, I. I mean, look, the Ravens already built a statue of them, so clearly they're over it. Yeah, I think the problem with that is, and if you start going back into history and reviewing back when this stuff wasn't as widely known about guys, you know, their personal histories and whatnot, there's probably. A lot of reprobates in a lot of halls of fame, right? I, and from I, the twenties and thirties and forties and fifties, and it shouldn't just be academic, though. That's a tough call. Um, he was a pretty pretty good linebacker. He was Super Bowl MVP, and they sent Trent Dilfer to Disney World because it was too awkward. Well, they didn't want him to murder <laughs> Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> Where's the white suit, Ray? That's what they should do. You're in, but you don't get a gold coat. You got to wear the white suit. Yeah, if you can find the suit, yeah, you're in. <laughs> Bring that to you, to us. We'll trade you. <laughs> we heard from uh, Le'Veon Bell at the start of the show today, telling us that he thinks the Steelers' offense is the best in the NFL. One of the reasons why is the emergence of the guy who wound up being the Steelers' rookie of the year this year, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Interesting progression and then some for Smith-Schuster, who was injured throughout most of training camp but got off to a really slow start because of it. But he winds up the season with 58 catches for 917 yards, seven touchdowns, second only to Antonio Brown's nine, and Smith-Schuster's average per catch of 15.8 yards was actually more than Brown's 15.2. And he blocked and... uh, just provided so much to an offense that really needed uh, a, another complimentary piece mm-hmm. to to really be as good as uh, the Steelers were hoping it could be this season. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was rewarded with the Joe Green Great Performance Award that's uh, given annually by the Pittsburgh chapter of the Pro Football Writers of America to the Steelers' Rookie of the Year. I asked him during that press conference what was the toughest adjustment Coming to the NFL as a 20- and a 21-year-old. 
I would say, honestly, I would say, like, sleep. <laughs> I mean, me being, like I said, you know, being young, uh, you're just up all night, just having fun. I think that, you know, sleep has been the most challenging for me just because, like, I just like to be up, play video games, you know, do what young people do, social media, and then go to bed at like 2 a.m. So I'm still trying to how to balance that out. <laughs> yeah. Toughest adjustment wasn't having to block Montez perfect. Getting sleep. What a knucklehead. What was he doing? Was he t- cooking at Permanis the other night or something? He's all over the what place. Was he doing? I saw there's a, he has that, you know, that YouTube station now, and he was walking past the Rex Theater, and there was like some EDM techno music coming out of there, and he just went in and started dancing in there and then left. And when I say what a knucklehead, I mean that is a term of endearment. And, uh, no, yeah. You don't know what fun this guy's going to have next. You know, he's just. Uh, he, he is just uh, enjoying uh, everything at all times. <laughs> uh, another interesting uh, observation he made when he got that Joe Green Great Performance Award was that it was actually easier for him this year than it was last year at USC. Most definitely. Um, my whole life, um, I mean, not to be, you know, cocky or anything, but i always been on a team where you know, I have to come in early and I have to be the guy um, just because other guys left early. You know, I, I come to the Pittsburgh Steelers and there's other guys and I'm the the lower. Like, I am I can be young and I can play the game. I can play and not to step up, you know, early to be mature. Obviously, like, yeah, I did that this season. But what I'm talking about, when you have guys like Antonio Brown, like him, like being as, you know, a leader, you know, Big Ben, Le'Veon, like other guys have to respect those guys first before, you know, they, they cover me. So, but those guys being, you know, being covered, like being double teamed, I have, it gives me the opportunity. It gives Martavis, it gives, you know, Eli, it gives the other running backs the opportunity to make plays, you know. Um, so honestly, I, I would say it's, uh, it's a lot easier, you know, right now because, you know, those other guys are getting all the attention. But, you know, Ben makes it easier, easier obviously. Maybe the reason he is a love that kid. Maybe the reason he's a deserving Steelers Rookie of the Year over T.J. Watt is that he's got the on-the-field production. and He's also got that infectious personality. The veterans love having him around. Rookies are usually supposed to be seen and not heard. They're supposed to be hazed. Instead, uh, this is a guy that uh, the veterans love to be uh, in the presence of, just maybe to see what he's going to do next. Uh, here's Alejandro Villanueva talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I wish you know everybody had a juju in their life. Um, he's a very fun person to be around. Great personality. Great, you know, works extremely hard. Loves football. Um, you know, I, I have never met you know a personality like that. And, uh, and for me, especially, you know, after teaching him how to drive and everything, um, I um, I really fell in love with the kid. You know, he's awesome to have around. I'm very glad we have him on the team. Penguins hosting Carolina tonight, seven o'clock at the PPG Paints Arena, and on your Penn flagship one hundred five nine. The X uh, pens at 2018 and 3, 43 points. Carolina 18, 13 and 8, 44 points. And Carolina is currently in possession of that second wild card position in the Eastern Conference. This would be a nice game for the Penguins to uh, pick up where they left off in Philly Tuesday night and keep the pedal down and keep playing the right way moving forward. Moving forward. And uh, keep reminding everyone uh, why they won the Stanley Cup the last two seasons. It's also 70s night. So if you're going to the game, uh, prepare to be disappointed because that's pretty much what the 70s were. A <laughs> uh, few highlights. and There's uh, some good music, though. 
a lot of agony. Uh, the Penguins' playoff history in the 1970s, they went 9-17. and 17. They finished 2-2 two and two in best-of-three preliminary round series. Won two and lost two. They were 0-3 uh, for 3 in best-of-sevens. Two sweeps, one by the Blackhawks, one by the Bruins. And that uh, unforgettably agonizing come from three games ahead. Four to three loss to the Islanders in 1974-75. They should have got Leo Sayer to sing the national anthem. He's probably dead. I don't know. Somebody from the 70s. Val. When I need you. <laughs> I thought you'd have a better suggestion. That's oh, all. no. <laughs> Maybe they could bring Ed Westfall back to drop the ceremonial first puck. How about Ambrosia? <sighs> Player? Player. Oh, my Lord. I think Leo Sayre's still alive. Good news. 69, he's still alive. Good news oh, for him. Yeah. Fantastic news for him. Val's got news top of the hour. Will glitter injuries... This just in, Leo Sayre's still alive. Mean the end of glitter. <laughs> God, I hope so. When we come back, the Tomlin translator will go through Coach Tomlin's press conference from this past week and... Uh, Get to the real meaning of what Coach Tomlin was saying. Stan Saver next hour and your chance at a thousand bucks of workforce cash coming up. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Each week when Coach Tomlin gives his weekly press conference, we like to run his answers through the Tomlin Translator, an iPhone app made available through a bunch of geeks at CMU that allows you <laughs> to parse through the words and get to the actual meaning behind what the coach says each and every week. So, all right, first up, Tim Benz asked a question about the depth of the AFC. Hold on a sec, here we go. Can you characterize the depth of the AFC playoff tree this year and, and the talent that's there? You know, you know, it's the playoffs. You know, they're all quality teams. Um, I'd probably say that in any year. All right, through the translator. I'd probably say that in any year. But not this year because the bills are hot garbage. Complete. And otter. Dog. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> probably everyone agrees with that. Um, next, uh, a question about uh, the Cardinals looking uh, to potentially hire uh, uh, the offensive line coach of the Steelers, Mike Munchak. Have the Steelers granted permission for Mike Munchak to interview with the Cardinals and maybe with anybody else, Mike? We have and, and we will. All right, through the translator. We've granted Arizona permission to talk with Munchak, but we asked if they were sure they weren't interested in Mr. and Mrs. Todd Haley instead. Uh, well, you know, it's a package deal, I guess. Uh, up next, uh, Tim Benz once again steps up to ask a question about coming uh, from the two-seat again and uh, just about their comfortability with that. After the game, Cam Hayward said he was very comfortable being in the two seed. In fact, even preferred it. Uh, you guys have had a lot of successes, not even before you came here, coming out of the two hole. Um, what do you think about being there as you guys move forward here? I'm just glad we got a seat at the table, you know, and I'm sure Cam is too. Translator. Is your head up your two hole? Of course I'd rather be the one seed. What a stupid question. You bend over at Tequila Cowboy with the Haley's or right, something? Yeah. <laughs> now a question. I'm not sure who asked this one about uh, the, the first round bye. And some of your players said that they, they've had playoff experience but never had that first round bye. They're not sure how this week's going to work. Do you have to be cognizant of that? No. Oh. 
Well, through the translator. That was worse than the last question. <laughs> For the love of Pete Axthelm, we gotta stop letting bloggers in here. Uh, the next one. Nice uh, Pete Axthelm. Yeah, well, for the love of Pete, yeah, I guess, you know. The it's, translator it's, the has translator, a grasp of history. Yes. And we're, you know, uh, Those geeks are doing a hell of a job. I told you, they're thorough. Next up was a question about, I guess Ben said that he wanted to, to face Jacksonville again. Ben said today that he wants another crack at Jacksonville. Does that matter to you because you lost to them or just doesn't We got no control over who we play going into the next round. Uh, we better be ready for whoever it is. All right, through the translator. I really wish there was some way we could play Buffalo because they are complete dogs. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, lastly, the, somebody at the end of the press conference uh, asked a question about Joe Hayden. Mike, how big a pickup was Joe Hayden? What did that allow you to do defensively? Pickup? You're talking about his... How big of a pickup was Joe Hayden? <laughs> what, did that allow you, what did that allow you to do defensively that maybe you couldn't do? <laughs> Joe's really good, man. I mean, the translator uh, picked up that laugh from the coach and uh, translated that. You've seen Cody Sensabaugh, right? <laughs> That's how big of a pickup Joe Hayden was. Yeah, there you go, the Tomlin translator. <laughs> it's on the iHeartRadio app. Just search DVE iHeartRadio.com. Download the app to your smartphone today. Val's up next with news. Val, what you got? Well, will glitter injuries mean the end of glitter? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> glitter injuries. Glinjuries. Glinjuries. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> one of the softest injuries you can get. <laughs> I'm going. I'm on the pup list. Why? It's a glitter injury. Yeah, but you know, strippers must have glitter in a lot of interesting places. Yeah. All the places. <laughs> <laughs> All access pass. The glitter has. <laughs> um, also, Stan Savern next hour. Fart and glitter. <laughs> no, Stan. What? That's I. Stan's really? not farting. I didn't glitter. mean to suggest that. Yeah, Stan farts glitter. <laughs> it's like a My Little Pony. Yeah, like one of those characters from uh, Trolls. Are you saying Stan's a brony? No. No, like My Little Pony's fart glitter. <laughs> Maybe. I that's don't know. factual. Yeah, uh, that no, is, I believe. Yeah, there's that's... a documentary about it. Rayman Zarek, rest his soul. He wrung that... Morrison Legacy Drive for so long. He was so good at like doing interviews and talking about Jim was a shaman. You never do it, you know. And if you look into it further, I, it really, I don't know how long that would have lasted. They were either on the right track with L.A. Woman, and they, they were about to become a legitimate, long-standing band who really figured it out, or they were going to implode because the lead singer turned into like. You know, just a big, fat, crazy person. <laughs> and today's National Spaghetti Day, by the way. Mm. I'm Jim Morrison for National Spaghetti Day. <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. What's going on, Val? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Bitter cold air pouring back into the area. A couple snow showers today. Temperatures in the lower teens. Then tonight, bitter cold down to one Scattered flurries with that wind chill.
to minus 18. I'm Scott Harbon, Severe Weather Center 11. It's 13 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The first dispensary to start selling medical marijuana products in the state is expected to open in Butler next month. The co-founder of Cresco, Yeltra, told Channel 11 the company is on pace to have products on the shelves by the first or second week of February. The facility is on Pillow Street in Butler. The State Department of Health still has to do a final inspection before marijuana oils, pills, gels, or ointments can be sold at the store. Package carriers are expecting a record-setting week for returns. Shoppers are increasingly turning to UPS and FedEx to send back unwanted merchandise after Christmas. As Americans go back to work, they're dropping off those unwanted returns along the way. Consumers are expected to take back $90 billion worth of gifts this holiday season. The chief commercial officer for UPS says e-commerce has changed when and how consumers return gifts. UPS says it expects to process 6 million returns this week and about 1.4 million returns just today. These kids today don't know the true struggle. I feel like I'm going to be telling war stories like, when I was your age, when we got a crap gift, we had to walk it back to the store. Both ways. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I put it in a box, drop it off, set it outside your door. See They'll come get it. Really? Oh yeah. If you have a pre-packaged, yeah, like yeah. A if you label. have like a label maker, yeah. yeah but most label. places have that now. If you like, you get the, oh, the you return can... label when you order it. My sister sent me a hoodie and it didn't fit, and she's like, "I'll just send you a return the return label, throw it in a box, send mm-hmm. it back." Like that's easy. Otherwise, I would just have a there. It would be going to Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not gonna wear a hoodie that's too tight out of, you know. Yeah, that's like, I don't want to waste this. Mm. And it looked like Farley wearing Spade's coat. <laughs> <laughs> the Pennsylvania Farm Show's butter sculpture will be unveiled today, a tradition dating back to 1991. The butter sculpture is one of the annual show's most talked about exhibits. While technically edible, the butler sculpt, uh, the butter sculpture is not eaten by anyone. After the farm show, the butter is taken to a Juniata County dairy farm and converted into biofuel. Uh, there's a pretty interesting independent movie called Butter. Is it Jennifer it's Garner? Jennifer Garner, yeah, mm-hmm. about the I think the Iowa State Farm or State Fair rather. Is she any good in it? She's okay. She stinks in everything else. <laughs> She's pretty good in that. She's really good in that American Express ad. She's gorgeous. I like her. I bet she's super cool to hang out with. West Virginia. But every movie she's in, she has zero charisma. She's like the biggest buzzkill in every single movie she's in. Juno, buzzkill. Dallas Buyers Club, buzzkill. She's a woman who can't have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you want her to be? You mean just in Juno? In Juno. I thought you you just meant in life. In life. I thought like... (laughs) Describe her overall aura. Well, she's kind of like a sad woman. She's barren. (laughs) Kind of a barren spinster. You know. (laughs) Not much fun at parties. That's my moon sign. (laughs) The best ways to lose weight... Go heavy on fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. The U.S. News and World Report annual diet ranking for 2018 puts the Mediterranean and the DASH diets right at the top of the list. DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. It emphasizes eating plenty of whole grains, fruits, vegetable, and limiting salt. 
Whole grains, vegetables, and fruits are at the heart of the Mediterranean diet as well, along with moderate amounts of alcohol. Both diets include lean proteins like fish or chicken. Yeah, man. might help you out on your quest for healthiness in the new year. I feel like I'm, I, 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 I did two good days and I'm good. <laughs> You're back. You're back. I'm back. I mean... Back on track. No, I'm still Fat Randy, but... Sauerkraut has no fat in it. <laughs> and that just, that just empties you out. That is just... That's like Drano for your innards. It's good. Maybe that's why they make you eat it after all the holidays. Probiotic. Yes, it's very good for your gut. I never thought about that. The practicality of sauerkraut after the holidays. <laughs> it's like how they clean the Bourbon Street at the end of Mardi Gras with fire trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're just fire hosing your lower GI. Yeah. That's all you're doing. There was an effort, although not a very concerted effort, that didn't really gain much steam before Christmas to get glitter banned for a variety of reasons, including it ends up in the water system. Well, here's another reason to ban glitter. A 49-year-old woman in the U.K. ended up in the hospital after a painful lesion formed on her eyeball. At first, doctors thought it was herpes. Uh, Ocular herpes. Ocular herpes. It turned out... It was actually a clump of glitter that somehow got stuck to her cornea after somebody gave her a glittery Christmas card. Wow. By the way, ocular herpes is the worst transformer. (laughs) Do not Eskimo kiss her. Get that eye herpes. No, but it was glitter in her eyelid. That's in her on her cornea. (sighs) I have glitter. I hate glitter. I, I can't get it up. There's like it's. Something right. happened somewhere it's along the hall in the holiday. I got glitter on like a pair of pants or something. Now it's like on three shirts, and it you, doesn't come off. You can't wash it away. Yeah, nope. when uh, you get a card with glitter, you can feel it through the envelope. Yep. You're like, oh, what are you doing? No, all My, those princess dresses have glitter on yeah. them. Yeah, so that's all over the floor. Curse the person who invented glitter. Glitter. Oh, that was the most awful thing I did as a youth in my terrorizing, like, you know, let's vandalize because uh, we need a rush. <laughs> we'll put glitter in somebody's pool. Oh, oh my Ooh. God. How would you ever get that out? It was not nice. No. <laughs> you just have the glitter pool. I had, <laughs> I had to clean Amy Bujanowski's pool <laughs> for a long time. With what? It was... Oh, it was such a horrible thing to do. Her dad wanted to murder us. I bet. Like, you have to drain it, and then you have to scrub it and clean it. It just gets caught in the filter. Like, the filter just gets... Jams it up. Yeah, it's just like, totally screws up the filter. New Stone Temple Mm -hmm. pilot singer Jeff Gutt is paying tribute to the band's two former frontmen, Scott Weiland and Chester Bennington, in a recent Instagram post. Gutt reflected on 2017, saying the year changed his life, adding that he's humbled and honored for such an iconic band. He went on to say STP had a great influence on him musically and ended the post with, R.I.P. Scott and Chester, you'll never be forgotten. The band kicks off a 13-show tour March 2nd in Santa Clarita, California, and wraps up May 20th at Rock on the Range in Columbus. Colder today with some snow, highs only in the teens. Tonight we'll have temperatures near zero, but those wind chills will feel like it's about 18 below zero. Wow. Stay inside. Bundle up. Bring the pets in. Bring the animals inside. Park in your garage if you have one. It's 15 now at DVE, by the way. I'm going to go fill my car with gas after this. (laughs) 
super warm. <laughs> Better hurry up and do it, dude. Um, on the way for you, Stan Savern. Next hour, the most anticipated rock tours of the year. One of them is Robert Plant. I am. Uh, what? Yeah, he's got eleven dates next month. He's coming here. Is that really a tour? Well, Taylor Swift, she's not selling a lot of tickets. That's number one. She's uh, got twenty-seven dates scheduled between May and October, and I is guess she doing stadium shows. I, I think arenas. Oh, okay. Maybe stadiums. I, I think she played Heinz Field the last time she yeah. was here. She, she did. did. I, maybe it's a mixture. I I read something that said that the ticket sales were really slow for for her new one. Eminem is going out on tour. Lord, I don't. You know, U two is going out on tour again. I know Eminem's doing Coachella. Tyler the Creator and Vince Staples. I don't know. I thought. I think I thought Vince Staples was Vince Gill for a second, and I was like, <laughs> "Really? No. Tyler the Creator and Vince Gill? It's Vince Gill and Chris Stapleton's cousin. Oh, Pearl Jam is going back at. They haven't announced any U.S. Uh, shows yet. But they got a few concerts in South America this March and a bunch in Europe this summer. Uh, how do you say Sizzas? S-Z-A. I don't say it. Slack. How do you say that? He doesn't know either. She's expected to tour this year. Uh, Travis Scott. I don't know who that is. And D'Angelo. Wait, is Travis Scott? Wait a second. Is that is that the drummer? No, it's Travis Barker. Okay. Uh, Taylor Swift, August 7th, Heinz Field. She's doing all stadiums again. Oh, man. In fact, she's doing three days in East Rutherford at MetLife. She's doing two days at Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia. She's doing Wembley Stadium. My God. She's going big. People really hate her, and she still does stadiums and stuff. I mean, I was reading this thing yesterday. You thought her career was over. She's doing three stadium shows in a row in East Rutherford. I think she's doing okay. I feel like she's the living version of the American Girl doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I've said before, like she is an unbelievably impressive, but in a way that like a dictator is. Like, I don't agree with what's going on, but you got to admire that moxie. <laughs> like, it is impressive what she's been able to achieve. Kathy says she remembers everybody's name. She's got that Bill Clinton thing. Mm. Yeah. So she comes into town and she remembers all the DJs. She remembers everybody. She writes little notes to everyone. Like, thank Smart. you so much. Yeah, she's probably got a team that does all that stuff. But how you got to be kind of a little l- crazy, little crazy, too. Right. Oh, she's out of her mind. Crazy. The upper level to the uh, her, she's doing the stadium in Arizona, University of Phoenix Stadium. The upper level in the corner at the top, top, the cheap seats, 154 plus fees. Oh, she kicked butt last time I know she was here. Everybody loved the show, and it sold pretty well, right? So what are you going to do? Uh, Michael Lab Sports coming up at the bottom of the hour as we get set for a weekend of football to determine who will play the Steelers and the Patriots in about 10 days. I'm not even like I'm not even paying attention to the NFC right now. To me, it's just Steelers Patriots. That's all I can think about. It's all I can consider. But Wild Card Weekend is always a blast. Let these AFC teams beat each other up. Tennessee and Kansas City, Atlanta and LA, Buffalo and the Jags, Carolina and the Saints this weekend. Stones. They probably got one more tour in them, don't they, Val? I bet. I bet they do. A couple more. DVE.
DV Morning Show. Mike Pursuta has your sports when we return. Thousand bucks in workforce cash every damn hour each and every morning here on DVE. So listen for your chance to win. Tomorrow's show, uh, by the way, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird because we don't have the Steelers to look ahead to. That's right. So we're gonna pay attention. We're just gonna tell you who to gamble on this weekend. Great gambling weekend. A lot of fun. Really fun. Yeah. It's just hard. even a fun watching like NFL football playoff weekend. You don't have to worry about the Steelers getting eliminated. It's great. But the best weekend of football in the NFL is championship weekend. Yeah. It's better than the Super Bowl. AFC Championship, mm-hmm. NFC Championship, that Sunday is the best. Yeah. Without a doubt. All day football. Because the Super Bowl, there's just too much crap leading up to it. It is in Minnesota. It's the best when your team is playing in it. If it's not us, that's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Watching J- Jacksonville not and as much fun. the Patriots play. Well, uh, we've been talking a lot about James Harrison, of course. And uh, we told you what, we played the clip of Teddy Bruschi yesterday saying he would have never played for the Steelers back then. That's total crap. I, I don't, I don't know. But seeing Harrison Instagram pictures of his new Harrison Patriots jerseys yesterday, are stuff, stuff. Yeah, I keep uh, getting re-hurt. There's stuff. I'm, this uh, makes I've me been, more angry. I've been mad about this about six different times. And then I've put it behind me, and then there's another flare-up. <laughs> it's like herpes. Right. We need Valtrex for our Harrison, like, <laughs> you know, our anger over James Harrison. Um, all right, Mike's coming in next. And I was trying to find um, a clip uh, of the, the Gronk comedy show that Sarah Tiana was talking about, because I know she wrote jokes for him. And she told us about it. And I'm wondering if he wrote things for his upcoming Showtime special. Which, by the way, Gronk has a comedy special coming up on Showtime. But Mike Tomlin's a big jerk for looking ahead to the Patriots. How Gronk is incapable of being distracted. Actually, is he just incapable of focusing? Is that what it is? Yeah. (laughs) He's like the exact opposite. It's like, are you focused on? Huh? What? He's like a goldfish. He forgets everything that just happened. (laughs) He's doing a comedy show. If he was a Steeler, we would love him, right? You would love him. Oh, yeah. yeah, probably. Love him. But he's not, we hate him. Can't cover him. No, nobody can cover him. It almost looks like, you know, when, um, uh, whatchamacallit, who was having the trouble with him on that touchdown? It wasn't sensible. Uh, Sean Davis. Sean Davis. It looks like he. you almost have to form like, you know how little kids will sit on each other's shoulders and then put on a big <laughs> raincoat? Yeah, little <laughs> rascal like style. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's how you have to cover Gronk. <laughs> Just put two DBs. Form together. like Voltron. <laughs> uh, do that. All right, up next in sports, uh, sports, Mike Pursuta, you'll hear from Lev Bell, who says no excuses. Also, Dirty Red, Tyler Matakavich, and Big Al. Who, if we get to the AFC Championship against the Patriots, he'll be tasked with blocking his former teammate. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is brought to you by Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. Steelers don't have a game to prepare for this weekend, so the idea, according to head coach Mike Tomlin, is to spend their time doing some self-scouting, 
uh, review everything, see if there are some things that uh, have consistently been a problem that they might be able to clean up before they host a second-round game on January the 14th, see if they're tipping anything off, uh, is the personnel being used correctly, just kind of assess individually and collectively every aspect of the operation and see if you can't get better before January the 14th. Le'Veon Bell took his head coach at his word. No, I mean, he, he's talking about kind of self-scouting and things like that. I went back and really watched myself throughout the course of, the, throughout the course of this year, and there's a lot of balls that I've, I, I don't watch that you know, I kind of take my eyes off of it when I'm catching it. You know, so sometimes I, it results in me dropping it, you know, and sometimes I catch it, you know, but I, I've been, you know, constantly putting effort in, you know, especially today in practice of just making sure I look the ball all the way in and just kind of catching it, you know, because, you know, it, it can come down to like a third and six or whatever and Ben checking the ball down and I'm looking to try to make a play before I actually catch the ball and secure it, you know, and we have to punt the ball, you know, and I don't want to be in that situation. So uh, for me, self-scouting was, you know, just concentrating on the ball and tucking it. Yeah, you don't want to drop it on third and six in the fourth quarter at New England, right? That would be bad. <laughs> but a little, little thing like that, and he's honest enough with himself to, hey, I was not watching it all the way in. I'm not doing this right. I got to start doing that better. Uh, you know, that's what makes these guys great. And you know, we talked to AB, and he's he's critiquing himself in the off season, nitpicking with. I mean, these are electric players. These are guys that are just making, I mean, history. And they still want to improve. Yeah, but so does Tom Brady. So that's what the great ones do. Yeah, well, so that's what you got to do. Well, it's good to have a couple great ones. You got to counter that, right? Another uh, subtle but potentially significant development over the last couple of regular season games. Uh, The game in Houston wasn't very competitive on Christmas Day, but Eli Rogers averaged 16.4 yards on five punt returns. He had 82 punt return yards. Then in the uh, even more meaningless regular season finale against Cleveland, Juju Smith-Schuster had 122 yards on kickoff returns, including a 96-yard return for a touchdown. Uh, The Steelers have been so poor at returns for so long, it's almost just written off as a Mm non-factor. But what if they could get that return game going into the postseason and and add that to their arsenal of weapons with which they can attack a team. Uh, Here's Tyler Matikiewicz talking about the return game getting better. Guys have always known how important it is, you know, but guys are really just trying to emphasize it. And and they see, like, when we do finish blocks, you've been seeing the success we've been having recently. So I think that's just everyone just really focusing on and just trying to get stronger and just do their job. I think that's just such a little little thing that you just forget in the midst. You know, when you watch that week one tape to that week 17 tape, you know, like, what, what are you, you're trying to figure out what, what are you doing better, what are you doing worse, you know? And uh, I think it's just it's just the biggest thing has just been finishing. And like I said before, with the success that we've been having and stuff, the results are finally showing. Just simple tip, finish a block. Don't get off the guy too soon. Give that return guy, you know, an extra tenth of a second or half of a second to, to do what he does. Uh, they've got some people that can run with the football. If they can block it up better, maybe that can – be a weapon. Uh, it was against the Browns. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster did the heavy lifting, but Tyler Matikavich said he enjoyed that kickoff return for a TD as much as the guy with the ball in his hand. Oh, man. I mean, that's that's the best. It's the best. Like, playing spe- when you're out there on kickoff return and stuff and, and on punt return, when you when you see Eli or Juju, all these guys, Tay, just take off. Uh, I had my guy 
had him hold enough, long enough. And then once he, by the time he got off, Juju was already gone. And then we're just watching Juju make those two guys miss and just take off. I mean, you can't help just throw your hands up in the air like you're scoring a touchdown. You know what I mean? And, I mean, that's what's so special about teams, you know, is it, it really, you need all, you need all 11 guys. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like, it's like offense and defense, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, our biggest thing has just been emphasizing finish, finish, finish. Another thing the Steelers are dealing with this week is the, uh, News that the Cardinals are interested in offensive line coach Mike Munchak, who is uh, not talked about a whole lot, but is a critical part of what's been going on here ever since his arrival in 2014. The offensive linemen wish the best for their coach, but, man, they don't want to see him go. Here's uh, Alejandro Villanueva talking about Mike Munchak. You know that you're in the best hands. You know, it's almost like a doctor, right? Like You know he's the best doctor, so you know that if, 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 if he can't do it, then no one else can. So... I think with Munchak, you know, the way he prepares you for the game, he has such a high standard. He's so professional about it. He's so upfront. You have there's such level of trust between coach and player uh, that by the time you get to the stadium, then, then you, you know, you, you know that you've put all the work. You know, you can be honest with yourself and say, uh, you know, he's going to tell you whether you have He's, you know, you had a good week of work. He's going to prepare you. He's going to do the absolute best. And that gives you the confidence to go out there and execute. Yeah, he's got number one picks on this line, and you came from a further away spot than those guys did. Did he coach you differently, or is his style? No, no, he just, the wall, he, right? he created he created an environment, and and obviously he got a lot of help from from the leadership, you know, from Pouncey, from Ramon. Uh, but that, that was a great mesh, you know, and I think that's the secret, you know, to to maybe what uh, what the O line has been able to accomplish here with the Steelers. But um, you know, his his just just the type of person that he is, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when you get to know him, the more you get to the more you get to know Coach Munchak, uh, the more you want to do good for him, the more you don't want to disappoint him, uh, the more you want to you know rep, you know. Give him a, a better reputation. Do absolutely everything that you can. You know, I mean, I don't even want to get in trouble because because of, of, of what Munchak, you know, represents. Like, I don't want anything negative on his resume, if if, if you want to call it like that. Um, so, I mean, when I think when, you, when as a boss or as a leader, when you're able to to get to that level where your men are are, are doing it because they you know they truly love you and they don't want to let you down, I think you've won. You won the room, and that's basically what's happened with Munch. You know, here since he's been here, the Steelers. He's one of several candidates, obviously, but that would that would be uh, it's a next season problem. But that would be a problem if he goes. Oh yeah, I mean that has been the you know two things that I think have elongated Ben's career is Sean or, or rather Todd Haley's play calling and insistence on him getting rid Quick of the release. ball yeah. and the offensive line being fortified over the last few years. I mean, there was a long time where, you know, after they won those Super Bowls. He used to get pounded, yeah. it's They definitely went, they attacked that problem with the idea of extending his career as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. He's played at a high level and they've had a lot of success. Uh, we'll see how long it goes. Penn's hosting the Carolina Hurricanes tonight at the PPG Paints Arena, 7 o'clock on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 The X. They're also celebrating 70s night, a uh, basically crappy decade in Penguins history. It uh, went out uh, with somewhat of a bang in 1978-79. The Penguins were able to win a rare postseason series. They beat the Sabres in a uh, best-of-three preliminary round series. George Ferguson scoring in overtime. Then they hosted the Boston Bruins, and the Bruins ended up sweeping the Pens, but the Pens fans showed up. Don Cherry was the coach of the Bruins at the time, and uh, in, in addition to being famous for dressing himself like an idiot, Don Cherry used to 
constantly talk about his dog, Blue. It was a white bull terrier, kind mm-hmm. of a Spuds McKenzie-like dog. And during that Bruins series, which the Bruins swept the Penguins, uh, somebody at the Civic Arena decided to uh, make a mock-up of Blue, like a paper mache dog or whatever it was, and they hung it from the E-balcony. Oh. <laughs> Noose around the neck, and they're dangling the thing. And Don Cherry didn't like that. He, no. was, he was quoted in the Pittsburgh Press thusly. I don't mind them wishing me or one of my players to die, but to say something like that about a defenseless dog like Blue is senseless. <laughs> I don't mind them wanting my want... players to die. <laughs> so they got swept, but at least they said, hey, Grape, screw you and your dumb dog. You're my boy, Blue. That's what uh, being a Pens fan was about back then. Stan Saver next. It's a DV morning show. Stan Savern, the Godfather, joining us right now. Happy New Year, Stan. Happy New Year, Stanley. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. When, uh, did you do anything interesting when the ball dropped? Um, Were you a tequila cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> Were you, uh, did... I didn't see the ball drop. I saw Todd Haley drop. Yeah. Did you beat up Todd Haley on New Year's Eve? <laughs> I did not. He's kind of a neighbor of mine. So. Oh, okay. Uh, well, well, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. His, I like wife, Todd Haley a lot. His I think wife he's... is great. Christine's great. You know, so who knows uh, what happened? No, uh, I actually had the remote in my hand because as soon as it's zero, I'm done. I have no interest in you know. That's the best. Any of that. So bang, I, I did, I did hang until that. But um, I worked because the the Steelers played that day, so I was at the stadium and did the post game show and stuff. So no, nothing interesting. Well, um, it it is interesting what's going on now, uh, and uh, at the risk of going over well worn territory, I need to know what you think of the James Harrison thing. It, was it a, how big of a screw up do you think it was on the organization's uh, uh, side of things here, or do you not think that's the case? I do not think it was a screw up. Uh, if I have one criticism, and it's a criticism with an asterisk, I understand. It's that they let his behavior, as we now know it, go on too long. If you think back, LeGarrette Blunt did something sort of like that. He was gone the next day. Richard Mendenhall was suspended when he left when he wasn't on the active list. Now that we know what was going on there, my only criticism would be they put up with it for too long. But I think they did it for two reasons. I do think they want him around for depth. But I also also think that Tomlin's being deferential to what James Harrison, you know, has meant to the Steelers. Blunt was in his first year. You know, Mendenhall, I don't remember what year it was, Mike, second year, maybe, whatever. Didn't matter. Didn't matter, right. <laughs> um, uh, should have cut him before that fumble against Green Bay in the <laughs> Super Bowl. But, um, but Harrison is a different story. And, you know, Tomlin, I don't know that he was friendly with Harrison, but he dealt with him and, you know, whatever. But I do think he did it out, you know, out of, out of deference. Um, but my thought on Harrison was this. When he posted on Instagram, I tweeted, which I'd never do if, if I'm not working. Um, I'm not going to live my life on Twitter. But I saw his Instagram post and said, I'm a competitor. I didn't sign up for this. I want to play, blah, blah, blah. And I, my response was, understood. That's fine. But when you didn't get the release you requested... You pouted, you sulked, you were disruptive, you disrespected your teammates, you abandoned your teammates, not to mention the organization that had been very good to you. That is not fine. 
I get that he wants to play. But the truth of the matter is, if the Steelers thought he could help them, he would have played. Also understand that the responsibilities under Keith Butler for outside linebackers has changed. It's changed dramatically. For years, we have been accustomed to outside linebackers providing the bulk of the rush. And I'm going way, 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 way back. Mm -hmm. But in this defense, for example, T.J. Watt drops 73% of the time into coverage. Mm -hmm. James Harrison never was great at that, and at 39, he couldn't do that anymore. And the fact that he's playing for the Patriots, good for him. He was great at it one time. One time against Arizona in the Super Bowl. Uh, and that was a drop of, what, six yards? I mean, that that's the defense calls for. It's not a slam on him. You know, everybody plays their streak. I still think he was good on the edge against the run. I always thought he was underrated in that regard. People know him as a pass rusher, the sacks leader, but he was very good at setting the edge against the run. But my guess is if the Steelers play the Patriots and James Harrison plays significant time, they better get used to seeing a whole lot of Le'Veon Bell isolated on him one-on-one. There aren't many linebackers who can cover Le'Veon Bell on a pass route, and James Harrison ain't one of those. All right. uh, Bills and the Jags. No chance. Yeah, it's... it's they're going to get mopped up, right? I mean, no shady McCoy at practice yesterday, by the way. Yeah, they're holding them. You'll see. I mean, but even he's try to play on a bum ankle. Even if he's less, even if he's less, he's, he's the only offensive weapon they have. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville would have to turn the ball over a lot and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it's funny so, uh, about be careful what you wish for. You might get it. We're doing the post game show at Heinz Field, and they have the Baltimore game up at my request. I want to see what's going on. And I have to say, I laughed out loud when Cincinnati Unbelievable. scored that Me touchdown. Too. You Me know, too. It, it felt good, <laughs> but then I began to think, if you're looking longer term, I would much rather have Baltimore in the tournament than Buffalo because that would have changed you know, the dynamic of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think Buffalo has any chance of winning that game, uh, even with – a healthy, sh- it's a bad matchup when you look at the strengths and weaknesses of the bull. It's just not a good matchup. Um, what you have to root for now, you can root for Jacksonville. Um, that would send either Kansas City or Tennessee here. Um, but it also would send Buffalo. Wait, to hold England. on a second. You root for Jacksonville. I thought Jacksonville. You was- root for Buffalo to beat Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. The, the, but the bad news of that is, is that Buffalo would then go to New England, which is like a scrimmage. Now, Buffalo's not going to win, though. If Jacksonville comes here, the Steelers get a tougher opponent, but that also, then you root for Kansas City because Kansas City has a, tends to give New England a tough, to, a tougher time, let's put it yeah. that way. Uh, well, all right, in the a- NFC, so you think Kansas City beats Tennessee and goes up to New England? More than likely, it's going to be New England, KC, Steelers, Jags. Uh, no upsets. Atlanta and uh, the Rams. Great game. Yeah. I, I wonder I wonder about Atlanta's character. I wonder if they've ever fully recovered from that epic collapse. Um, you know, Atlanta at least ought to have 40% of its name etched on that Lombardi trophy. Thank you very much. Oh, man. But I wonder about the Rams. Uh, I know people have been doubting them all year, but I do think there's something to quarterbacks playing in their first playoff game. I would agree. And, and you, know, uh, you know, Matt Ryan against Jared Goff. Goff's been tremendous. That whole... That guy's the coach of the year, or certainly a candidate. Um, 
But I, I think Atlanta's got a chance to win that game. And also, the other underdog, I think Carolina's got a really good chance of beating the Saints. That's another great matchup. The Man. NFC, I mean, they have yeah. six really... The bottom half of the NFC is stacked. Yeah, I mean, they, they have six... Any one of those six teams could go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I believe that. I Not the Eagles Me have too. been knocked down a bit because of, of, of Carson Wentz. So, the AFC, not the same. You've got two teams heading shoulders above everybody else. Jacksonville, they're very good, but also they've not played well recently. And I'm not even counting the last game they played because the game meant nothing to them. Uh, it didn't matter if they beat Tennessee or not. But they got whacked by San Francisco, and I realize the Niners are playing well, but still, um, I wonder. Sam- but the NFC, all six teams... Maybe less so the Falcons, but the other five, I could see them winning the NFC Championship. I kind of like the Saints. Do you? A little bit. Okay. I, I agree with you that any one of them could win it, but... Drew Brees, if you put a gun in my hair, I'd pick New Orleans. Stan, who do you got on your show today? Uh, Mark Madden will stop by. We'll talk some Penguins. Um, oh, yeah. This is the turnaround. This is it. Just like the first two Columbus games. This is it. We'll see. We'll talk about them. I've also got a writer on from Buffalo to give us an update on the Bills in that game because that game most directly affects the Steelers and their first game. So, And also, one other thing, there are six teams that can be on HBO's Hard Knocks this year. And I want to ask people, I'm doing it top of my head, Baltimore, San Francisco. Um, you can stop there. I want to see them. Cleveland. Either one of them. I think mean, I uh, there are oh, six. Lord, I, I, because they're such an awful train wreck. I think that'd be very amusing to see them in training camp. Plus, they're going to have two of the top four picks. Plus, Hugh Jackson. I mean, he's dead man walking. He's so I, I Mister One and Thirty One. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I want to see the Browns. I want to see yeah. the Browns. On I think that would be. I think it would oh. be hilarious. I mean, I, I would actually. I'm trying to think of the uh, San Francisco, um, Baltimore. We've seen Baltimore. We haven't seen the Forty ers who are interesting. Um, Cleveland, I uh, Denver, I think is another one. Yeah, now, the teams have an ability to turn it down because I saw an article where uh, John Lynch said that the forty he's not interested in the Forty ers being a part of that. Yeah, they but because everybody was turning it down, um, they, they put in rules and said if we pick you, there there are certain parameters. You have to have a such and such record. If, if, if it's a first year head coach. If you didn't then make you, the playoffs, you don't have to go. You don't have to do it. So you know you're looking at teams like you know Chicago will have a new coach, and you know oh, the Giants will have a new coach. All those teams, um, you know, will have, so they're exempt. I think also, if I'm not mistaken, if you made the playoffs the year before, you don't have to go. I think you're right about because that. the Steelers have never done it. I'd love to see the Steelers. Oh, they would never do it. Me too. Be great. Ever, never do it. The and route. that would be their best one ever. With all the personalities they have, Latrobe, St. Vincent, oh, oh, that yeah. deal, yeah, they'll never do it. I but like they, it no but, matter. But who that's the, team the point. Is. You don't have a right to refuse anymore. If you fall within the, the if you miss the playoffs, huh? If you miss the playoffs, if you miss the playoffs. Now you're vulnerable, and they've never done it. So I don't think with all those colorful, colorful characters that you're talking about that they're going to miss the playoffs anytime soon. I don't know. No, I wouldn't think so. But but that's I'm going to ask people there who they would like to see uh, I the Browns I would like to see the Steelers for myself and I don't want anybody else to see it <laughs> like I wouldn't want their vulnerabilities to be exposed 
but I want to, I want to see him. Well, but, I asked a couple years ago about this when they were eligible um, and didn't get selected, and a lot of fans said, no, I don't want to see that because it might be a distraction. It'll hurt the team. They yeah. won't win as much. I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, but, again, that's why they changed the rules. Uh, you've got to do it if you fall within the confines of those that are eligible. You just look at, I mean, if the NFL wants to really get the most bang out of that, you look at what their ratings are and how many times they're on primetime, why wouldn't you put them on a, a national cable show that the whole country has access to? Yeah. Because half the people would love to see it, and then the other half would hate watch it. Because the owners have a beef with it. No, nobody wants to be on. Yeah, why would Except you? for Rex Ryan. He wanted to be on. He was great. Oh, that he was, was great. tremendous. By the way, don't be surprised if that ends up being your next color man on Monday Night Football when Gruden takes the Oakland job. I mean, I'd love to see Oakland if Gruden takes yes. the job. Their first year in Vegas? Well, they, they're not in Vegas yet. When are they, they going to be in Vegas? 20. they got two more years in oh, Oakland. Okay. But just Gruden. But, again, that's a first-year head coach or a new head coach, so they don't, they don't have to. Check out Stan, ESPN Radio 970, noon to 2. Stan, thanks so much. Also, thanks to uh, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News and the Talk of Fame Network for uh, Talking Hall of Fame this morning. And uh, some interesting candidates for Canton this year. Yeah, it's a, that finalist list is... All those guys are legit. Yep. Hopefully Ray Lewis won't lose that suit jacket <laughs> if things go well for him. He's got He'll, trouble holding on to those. Well, so. he might dye it orange just to make himself feel comfortable. <laughs> uh, that's it. We're out of here. See you. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.